later by a shooting party. Mr Carpuch's colleagues were not named at the hearing. They're due at Reading Crown Court, charged with obstructing a coroner. The jury at the trial of Bletchley man Chahidul Ahmed, who is accused of killing Rachel Manning in 2000, will continue its deliberations this morning. 41-year-old Ahmed denies murdering the 19-year-old whose body was found at Woburn Golf Course. Luton scout leaders are hitting back at the Borough Council's decision to increase their rent, saying the sharp rises will spend, spell the end for many. The changes come in for all the area's charitable and voluntary groups as of April the 1st, and one scout group contemplating closure is Icknield. Its rent is set to increase from 150 to 8,000 pounds a year, and there'll be more on this story coming up with Ian Lee. Plans for an out-of-town retail park near Leighton Bosford have been given the go-ahead. Developers have been granted permission to build a DIY unit and garden centre, as well as four shops and a restaurant on the Grovebury Road site. Campaigners fear the decision spells the end of Leighton Buzzard's High Street. Listeners to BBC Three Counties Radio will be able to pick up the station on digital radio after a big switch-on event just before the end of this programme this morning. Lawrence Colhane has the details. For the first time, nearly two million people across Beds, Hearts and Bucks will be able to find their local radio station on DAB Radio. The new digital service will be switched on at a quarter to nine this morning by Pete Winkleman, chairman of the MK Dons Football Club, and Luton Town's former manager, David Pleat. This weekend's FA Cup ties involving both teams will be broadcast on DAB. Listeners who already have a digital radio may have to retune to receive the new local services. In the Champions League last night, Manchester United drew one all at Real Madrid in the first leg of the last 16 tie. And as for the weather, heavy rain this morning, but isolated showers later on at a top temperature today, 8 degrees Celsius. That's 46 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. To my darling wife, Nicole, a.k.a. Sausage, I love you more than the world and everything in it. You're the best girl the world has ever seen. I love you to bits. Have a nice day. That's from Jeff. These are the messages in the sun. To Sulky Tolky, this is my message to say I love you on Valentine's Day. Your trucking may keep us apart. Where's this going? But you'll always be close in my heart. That's a relief. I miss you when you work away. I love you more and more each day. Snuggle Bunny. From Carly Tolk, Andover, Hampshire. Sulky Tolky, if I were you, I'd dump Snuggle Bunny. A, because she's called Snuggle Bunny, and B, she thinks it's appropriate to send a message into the sun. I'll read more of that tosh out later. Listen, Valentine's Day, are you falling for that nonsense? I'm having, I'm having none of it. I'm having none of it. Spending five pounds on a card? Some flowers? No, it's not happening in my life. Am I being grumpy? Or am I being sensible? 08459 Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... Wow, disruption on Thameslink train co- trains could last another 24 hours. First Capital Connect will be joining me on this programme to explain what's going on. Did you get caught up in the disruption yesterday? Apparently it was a nightmare. Commuter chaos reigned on the rail network. Uh, another 24 hours of that. Voluntary groups in Luton are to see a huge increase in their rents. They say it's unfair and many will be forced to close. And during yesterday, we told you uh, that there were plans were being decided on yesterday for an out-of-town retail park near Leighton Buzzard. Well, the council has approved the proposals. Campaigners against the site are furious. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Include your name, please. 
They don't get read out if they haven't got names on. But look, the switchboard is, is pretty much free. So now is an excellent time to give us a call. See if you can be the first caller on the show. I dare thee. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, yeah, here it begins again. If you're travelling on Thameslink trains this morning, you are going to face huge problems. Overhead cables came down in Hertfordshire yesterday. Passengers were evacuated and walked down the line near Radlett. Replacement buses are being organised for stations between Luton and London today. And First Capital Connect say disruption is expected until six o'clock tomorrow morning. These passengers were delayed yesterday. We uh, heard a bang in, the, in t- towards the front of the train and the, um, the train wobbled a little bit and then slowly came to a stop. And then they, annou- they announced that um, some of the overhead wire had smashed the windscreen of the, where the driver sat. And uh, we couldn't go back because um, it was Radlett where, where it happened and we had to wait until the lines were, were fixed and they couldn't fix them right away so we had to wait for quite a while then walk along the railway lines and they um, put us in little buses and now a big bus The train just stopped so I decided to you know, get off the train and take a taxi so then I had to pay £27 to get to my appointment and I just paid £11 to get back here um, because my, this taxi driver said that St Albans wasn't affected. I was a bit sceptical. Um, so it's been quite an expensive day. Well, I'm going from St Albans to Middlesbrough. So, nightmare. I I've never been down here before. And I've got a West Hampstead, is it? I'd never even heard of the place before. So I have to go from there to St Pancras. I have to get on a bus now. Well, welcome to Hertfordshire. I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Never heard of West Hampstead? Never heard of West Hampstead? Oh, I've had some adventures in West Hampstead, let me tell you. For the latest on this, we can speak to Paul Oxley from First Capital Connect. Morning, Paul. Good morning, Ian. What actually happened yesterday? Uh, we are still investigating the issue. From what we understand, about one kilometre of overhead power cables had come down in the Radlett area. Uh, now, first, co- uh, now, uh, sorry, Network Rail's uh, priority is to get those repairs in place before they investigate what actually caused these uh, power cables to come down. One kilometre of cables came down. Yes, yeah, pretty staggering. But how? You must have some idea of how that could happen. It wasn't particularly windy yesterday, was it? Unfortunately, a number a number of issues can affect a power line and, and can cause it to come down. Like I said, unfortunately, I'm not a structural engineer. Um, it, it's up to Network Rail to uh, uh, to investigate this issue. So the, the the blame lies squarely on the shoulders of Network Rail. No, no, no. Network Rail are in charge of the infrastructure in terms of investigating when it goes wrong. But a number of uh, a number of factors could bring it down. It's it's not by any rate uh, Network Rail's fault. Do you know when the last time this, this stretch of cable was checked? I don't know. Like I say, we aren't responsible for the infrastructure, so I, will, I couldn't comment on that. OK, well, Network Rail are going to join us a little bit later on in the show, so we can speak to them then. What is the situation this morning in terms of trains and, and passengers? Right, well, uh, the, uh, the damage, like I said, like I say, a whole kilometre of the damage was quite extensive, so Network Rail have been able to carry out half the repairs uh, overnight, so we actually have access to two out of the four lines between Bedford and London St Pancras. Uh, so there will be a train service running at all uh, Thameslink stations. It will be heavily reduced. 
and so customers can experience, will, will experience delays throughout the rest of the day. How long are those delays going to be? About 15 to 30 minutes. Okay, because so, we've so heard, we're not we've looking heard... at the same levels we saw yesterday, but we are predicting that services will be heavily congested. So if passengers are able to, they can use their tickets on our Great Northern route. And if anyone is a car park season ticket holder, they can park for free at a GN car park. How long is this going to go on for, do you think, Paul? NetRail are going to take possession of the line again at 10 o'clock to carry out the last leg of the um, engineering works. We are, uh, they are telling us. Uh, that we will have the line back to normal um, from 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, so we will be able to put together the full timetable uh, the best we can. You're saying the delays at 15, 30 minutes. The, the website is saying delays of up to two hours on some trains. They, they are, uh, so they're, they're, we've only just had possession back earlier this morning, so they are residual delays of only a bit, you know, stock gets displaced, so we've got to get that in So there, there will be delays of two hours on some trains? At the moment, there are, we are experiencing delays, but on average, we're at delays of up to 30 minutes for the rest okay. of the day. So on average, up to, uh, up to 30 minutes, but some trains will be delayed for two hours, just yeah, to clarify. That's what we're currently experiencing at this moment. Okay. Do you know what trains will be delayed for two hours? Uh, no, I can't, I can't uh, clarify that. that. People, th- these trains are going to be busy, there are going to be delays. What advice have you got for people who are waking up this morning and need to use your trains? Uh, my advice is to please leave plenty of time. Please do check our website, www.firstcapitalconnect.co.uk. Uh, if you can, please do also use London uh, uh, Underground, uh, Mill Hill Broadway for Edgware Station and West Hampstead. Uh, tickets will be accepted on uh, London Underground and London buses. And like I say, if you are able to, please do use our Great Northern service. Cables have gone down before. What, 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 why does this keep happening, Paul? As I said, uh, we run several, several miles of uh, uh, rail track. Um, these issues do happen. Um, I, I, again, I said I can't, I can't uh, actually cut on what's caused this, this incident. Uh, that's up to Network Rail. Paul, can we catch up with you a bit later on in the show just to see if, how, how things are changing? Yeah, absolutely, not a problem. Brilliant, Paul, thank you very much. Paul Oxley from First Capital Connect. Well, if you experienced it yesterday or you're experiencing the, trou- the troubles today, can you give us a call? 08459 455 555. And this is just for Catherine Boyle. Hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. Uh-huh. Five o'clock and a fire escape symphony Spilling out across the road and the square And the sky's the same as your own Do you think of me? Do the parks and trees and the leaves reach you there? After the It's the sun 
like that song. I shouldn't like Narina Palo because she's a bit airy-fairy and a bit girly, but she popped up on iPod Shuffle the other day. I thought, ooh, no, I do like her. She's nice. 6.15. Let's get the latest travel news, shall we? Let's go to the Jam Cams with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, heading southbound on the M1, one lane closed with queuing traffic following a broken down vehicle between 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flitwick. Everything else not actually looking too bad. The rest of the motorways are moving nicely, particularly heading down the western stretch of the M25, not looking too bad. And the usual delays also are not yet beginning to creep in just yet this morning. Now, it looks like a normal service has resumed on East Midlands trains between St Pancras International heading up towards uh, Nottingham and the north of England, particularly around Corby as well this is all following overhead wire problems yesterday looks like uh has got back to normal now there may be a few minor delays though we do also have disruption on first capital connect on the west Hampstead, Thameslink, and bedford line that's again due to the overhead line problems so do check before you travel this really was causing some problems yesterday so do be aware this morning sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you very much sophie Morning, it's 6.16. It's Thursday, the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, the day that we go digital. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Rail commuters are still facing major problems this morning after overhead cables came down at Radlett in Hertfordshire yesterday. An inquest jury has reached a verdict of accidental death in the case of a man whose body was found in Woodland near Beaconsfield last January. In sport, the Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson praised the performance of his goalkeeper David de Gea. I know. As United drew one all with Real Madrid in the first leg of the Champions League last 16 tie. That's football. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Heavy rain this morning, isolated showers later with a top temperature, ooh, 8 degrees. Coming up. Voluntary groups in Luton are to see see huge increases to their rent. They say it's unfair and many will be forced to close. We'll find out more before 6.30. If you want to give us a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has just been taken off. You don't owe a penny. Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough. You've fought it and you've won it. Well, you won it for me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459. 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Love Beds, Hearts and Bugs Love Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio Yeah, you heard the man and the lady Love me (laughs) (laughs) I have not heard those before They're interesting, aren't they? What a fun uh, trail
George Harrison. I cried when George Harrison died. I've only cried when three celebrity dies, died. Is that all? Three? It's quite a lot, actually. Cried when George Harrison died. I cried when Arthur Lee died. You don't know who he is. And I cried when David Jones died. Oh. When George Harrison died, I went down to um, kind of loiter. It's very strange. It was a very strange period of my life. I went down to loiter outside Abbey Road Studios, and there were just loads of hippies there smoking dope. <laughs> it was very strange. Loads of hippies and Germans and Japanese people, I seem to remember, all smoking drugs. I didn't uh, partake. I uh, d- stood, stood back and kept my distance, and uh, very, very strange. But a lovely little bit of George Harrison there to start the morning. Now... A decision by Luton Borough Council to increase rents for charities and voluntary organisations is being heavily criticised by those affected. Organisations such as scout groups and charity shops will see their rent increase from April the 1st after the council agreed the increases on Tuesday. One scout group in Luton will see its ground rent go up from £150 a year to £8,000 a year. Those figures again. From £150 a year to £8,000 a year. 
The Scout Association say the decision to increase lease and rent agreements on scouting groups will force many to close. Well, Simon Carter is from the Scout Association and a scout leader in Hertfordshire. Simon, what what impact will these rent increases have on voluntary groups like the Scouts? Well, it will make us tougher to um, to deliver what we deliver, fun and adventure every day. I mean, the challenge for us is, of course, all our people are, are volunteers and they join because they want to... Um, see kids having a good time, help them become active, positive citizens. And actually, they don't want to spend their time raising money to, to pay the local government. You know, it just doesn't work for them. So they'll probably vote with their feet and they won't be supporting us. And clearly that, that's a real challenge for us. So you're, you're saying that you're, um, it's, it's been a long time since I was in the Cubs, you're our Kalers and your scout leaders and all, and all that. Some of them might just go, do you know what? This isn't worth the hassle. We're yeah, off. Because their motivation is to, to, to do exciting, adventurous activities with young people. You know, it, it's, a, it's a leisure time activity for them with a purpose. They really enjoy it. Now, uh, you know, the average budget of a scout group is £5,000, £6,000 a year. So mm. if you're saying to them, actually, stop doing all this wonderful activity, stop having the fun with the kids, and go and raise some money, that's not what they joined for. That's not what they want to be part of. So what's going to happen to these scout groups then, Simon? Um, I mean, I think for us, it's about negotiating with the local authorities that these changes shouldn't come in. And, and to be fair to um, the, the local authority in Luton, they are talking to us. But the, the challenge is they need to tell us quickly. We're six weeks away from the start of the finan- next financial year, mm. and they haven't actually told us what the costs are going to be. They've given us ifs and buts and maybes. So please tell us give a certainty uh, and that's the real issue and for us they also need to think about what we contribute there are there are a couple of hundred adult leaders in the Luton area and if the local authority had to pay for the amount of time that they deliver they'd be looking down the barrel of half a million pounds worth of cost a year Mm. and that's all provided for free we don't expect a free lunch we don't expect to pay nothing we understand budgets are tight but we do expect to have what we contribute recognised and a, a proportionate reasonable cost. Clearly the figures that you talked about at the start of this interview, £125 to £8,000, it's just ridiculous. No voluntary organisation what would you like to see? That. What would you like to see happen then, Simon? So we think something reasonable and fair. So, you know, uh, a few hundred or a few thousand pounds a year, something that people can actually... Um, deliver and work to. As I said, we don't expect it for free. That that would be unreasonable in today's current climate. But actually, we're putting nearly half a million pounds worth of free leisure time activity into the community in this area. Actually, that needs to be recognised because if it isn't recognised, that will stop and they'll be getting on for 1,600 young people um, with nothing to do. And clearly, that's not in anyone's interest. Simon, there are so many services being cut, libraries and yep. elderly care service services and things like that. It, it, I guess it comes down to priorities, and there yeah. are some people who might say, well, Cubs and Scouts, it's not really a priority, is it? Yeah, no, I, and I think if you look at it at the top line, you can say that, but these young people are, are our tomorrow, all our tomorrows. They are going to be the people that are going to be the movers and the shakers, the contributors to society, the people that make the decisions for all our futures. And actually, if we don't invest in them and we don't invest in young people, it's the detriment of all of us. So it's not an immediate return, but it is a massive long-term return, and we need to see it in that context. Mm.
Again, some people might say £150 a year rent, that's fantastic. That's way too little yeah, to be paying. Yeah, and that's the point I'm making. We're not expecting it to be maintained at £150, mm. but you can't expect a voluntary organisation whose job it is is to deliver adventure and activities for young people to go from 125 to 8,000 in six weeks. You, you just can't do that. Simon, what happens next? Um, well, I know that um, local scouting is speaking to the local authority. Um, what we would say to the, uh, the local authority, the councillors, give us certainty, give us a plan, give us something that we can work to, and we'll attempt to do that. But to keep us hanging on and not give us clarity, it's not fair and it's not helpful and we really want to work with you. Can't you go and teach them how to do knots or something like that? <laughs> you, you, you give them something. You give them a skill. <laughs> Well, we can teach, we, we, I mean, our business is, is providing young people who are positive and contribute to society. And, and that's what politicians are about, really. So that's our contribution. OK, uh, Simon, thank you very much indeed. That's Simon Carter from the Scout Association, a scout leader in Hertfordshire. So the rent's going up from 125, £150 a year to 8000 What do you think? Uh, Simon makes a strong point, doesn't he? These are um, young people that are in a, a positive, healthy, for the most part, environment. They are learning skills. They're learning how to be responsible. Uh, and to take that away could potentially put them in danger. That, w- that they are tomorrow. So we should be looking after them. Or do you think, hey, come on a minute. My nan's, you know, luncheon club is closed down. The, the local library's closed down. Of course they should pay more money. What do you think? I don't know on this one. I genuinely don't know. I can see both sides. 08459 455 555. Should we be looking after and encouraging activities like the Cubs and the Scouts? Or should they just have to make make their own cuts as we're all doing? 08459 455 555. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Exciting day for us today. We go digital. I'll tell you more a bit later on. Here's the travel news with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the M1, looking slow at the moment following the earlier broken down vehicle between 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flittick. All lanes have been reopened, but still looking fairly slow out there, actually. Now, following the disruption from yesterday at Radlett, East Midlands trains will now run a full timetable. First Council Connect, however, services, they remain disrupted, particularly between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford. And this is, of course, due to the overheadline problems there. So I uh, do expect cancellations and delays of around 15 minutes all through the day. We will of course bring you updates if and when it does change. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Sophie. 08459 455 555. Want to be the first call of the morning? Then now is an excellent time to make your call and get on the air. Maybe we'll be speaking after the news and sport with, um, uh Catherine Boyle. Getting beds hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 6.30, the headlines. Thameslink commuters are being warned to expect further disruption this morning after overhead cables came down in Radlett yesterday. An inquest jury has reached a verdict of accidental death in the case of builder Richard Karpuch, whose body was found in Woodland near Beaconsfield last January, and the jury at the trial of Bletchley man Shahidul Ahmed, who's accused of killing Rachel Manning in 2000, will continue its deliberations this morning. 
Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson praised the performance of his goalkeeper David De Gea as uh, United drew one all with Real Madrid in the first leg of the Champions League last 16 tie. Danny Welbeck scored a crucial away goal for United before Cristiano Ronaldo's equaliser. Ferguson says he was happy with the results but Real Madrid's manager Jose Mourinho is confident his side can win at Old Trafford in a fortnight. I think they did well their job. They came here to defend well. They came here to don't concede spaces and, and goals. They didn't play to win, but they know that they have in attack very important players with, with great potential that out of nothing they can create chances and score goals. I think they go, they go home happy with the result, but I think they know, they know that Real Madrid can do it there. The other Champions League tie also ended in a draw as Shakhtar Donetsk and Dortmund drew 2-2 in Ukraine. This evening, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle and Everton are all in action in the Europa League round of 32. Liverpool are away at Zenit St. Petersburg, Tottenham host Lyon, Chelsea are at Sparta Prague and Newcastle play Metalist Kharkiv at St. James's Park. In cricket, the England wicketkeeper Matt Pryor says players will become increasingly frustrated unless the England and Wales cricket board softens its stance towards the Indian Premier League. The ECB only allows England players to play half of the IPL season because of a clash with May test matches. As a result, they are less attractive to IPL franchises, with Pryor going unsold in the last two player auctions. Pryor says the scheduling of tests may have to change to keep players happy. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half an hour, there is huge disruption on the trains this morning through Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire to London. First Capital Connect have told me this morning some services are delayed by more than two hours. Well, we've sent our reporter Sophie Solaria to Luton Railway Station. If you see her there, go and say hello and let her know what's happening with your journey. We'll find out exactly what she's uh, discovered in a little bit. And do you remember yesterday we told you about plans for an out-of-town retail park near Leighton Buzzard? Well, the council has approved the proposals. Campaigners against the site are furious and I'll be speaking to one of them in about 20 minutes time 08459 455 555 is the phone number speak to you after this, the Commodores
And I've never really listened that far. Mr. Richie gets very carried away. This is what I've heard. Now, train troubles. There are problems on Thameslink trains this morning. Uh, one kilometre of overhead cables came down in Hertfordshire yesterday. One kilometre, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? It's not just like oh, a couple of feet fell down. A, a, a tree fell on it. One kilometre of overhead cables came down. Passengers were evacuated and walked down the line near Radlett. Can I just go off on a slight tangent, dear listener? One of my ambitions is... Uh, and, and I know this is, a, this is a strange thing to say is my ambition. One of my ambitions is to be on, on, on an underground train when it breaks down and to be led um, out the back along the track by the driver. I'd love to do that. If anyone can make that happen... Please uh, sort it out. Passengers were evacuated and walked down the line near Radlett. Rail uh, replacement, uh, sorry, replacement buses are being organised for stations between Luton and London today. First Capital Connect say disruption is expected until six o'clock tomorrow morning. I want your stories on this this morning. If you were affected last night, or if you're affected today, 08459 455 555, let me know. We were talking about this. There are delays. Some trains, it's 15 to 30 minutes on average. Some trains are delayed by two hours. What would you do if your train was delayed by two hours? I'd call in sick. Or I'd find out and say, look, I'm really sorry, the trains are two hours. I'm not, I'm not messing around. <laughs> For waiting for that. Well, we've sent our reporter, Sophie Solaria, to Luton train station. She's there this morning. Morning, Sophie. Good morning, Ian. It's, it's still early. Where are we? 6.38. Many people there? 
No, actually, there's not loads of people here, but the people that I have spoken to so far aren't exactly impressed. So who, who have you managed to, to, to get hold of? Well, I've spoken to a couple of com- commuters that have told me that last night they had a lot of trouble getting home. And I have looked at the boards this morning in the station and they do advise that due to overhead line damage in Radlett, there are only two of the four lines in operation between Radlett and St Albans. That's in either direction. And as a result, fewer trains are able to run and services will be delayed by up to 15 minutes which they say is subject to cancellation and disruption. Now, they say 15 minutes, but we've just had an announcement that Sutton, that the 6.34 to Sutton has now been cancelled, leaving a lot of commuters standing there a bit bewildered. Earlier I spoke to this man. He said that after 20 years of travel, he's used to the disruption on the service. Sarah, I stop you while you're waiting for a train. Have you heard about the problems? Uh, yes, I heard about them last night. Uh, quite late, actually. Are you concerned about them for your day today? Looks like it's going to be OK. Uh, there's cancellations, but it should be running. But there might be, well, very probably, there will be a delay. Where are you trying to get to? I'm going into London this morning so, uh, for work. Um, had to catch a coach home last night, so let's see how it goes. That must have been pretty annoying for you. It was, it was. Though. It took them about six hours before they actually sent out notifications last night. Uh, that, was, that was the most annoying part. What time did you get home? Uh, got home about 7.30 last night. It wasn't too bad. What time did you leave work? Uh, 5.30. Yeah, that's annoying. Today and probably tomorrow there are still going to be problems. Um, how does that make you feel as a commuter? Uh, you get used to it. I've been commuting pro for 20 years now, so you get used to it over time. It's not the worst I've had by a long shot. Sophie? Yeah? Fascinating stuff. Can I ask, where did you stop that gentleman? Was he using the toilet? It's actually really wet out here, and where I'm standing underneath the staircase, which leads into the station, I'm not going to lie to you, it sounds like we're under a waterfall. Well, it sounded like that gentleman was having a (laughs) wee-wee. He wasn't (laughs) having a wee-wee, I assure you. uh, Excellent stuff, Sophie, thank you very much. Well, listen, let us know if anything changes there. That's the thing, 15-minute delays, you wait for your train, and then it's cancelled. The 6.34 there was cancelled. So the 15-minute delay thing is slightly misleading. We did hear earlier on in the show uh, that some trains are delayed by up to two hours. And if trains are being cancelled, how is this affecting you? 08459 455 555. Now, we were talking uh, about how some services in Luton, including charities and uh, the, the scouts, will be facing increases of rent. One scout group up from £150 a year to £8,000 a year in rent. Andy's in Stevenage. Andy, you're connected to the Scouts, aren't you? Yes, I am. What, what, what is your connection? Um, I'm an ADC. I deal with public relations and fundraising. So you, you go round helping to, to bob a job and all of that stuff? What, no, what? we don't do bob a job anymore. You don't do bob a job anymore? No, because of health and safety and oh. you may knock on the wrong door. Oh. So we can't send children round anymore. Oh. Um, my job is... Yes. Um, Mainly Easter and Christmas, yeah. we do raffles. Okay. So we use local stores. Yeah. You know, I won't mention any names. No. Um, so we use local stores and we fundraise that way. Right. Also, we have our own little train, what we built six, seven years ago. A train? A little train. It's a sit-on lawnmower with, mm-hmm. a, tra- with a front of a train, yeah. one carriage, and we take this round to school fates and uh, Stevenage Day and other things, uh, Kimpton Fate, yes. and um, we run the train and we charge 150 head for adults and children to ride on it. It's down to us, if we have five children, one parent, it's down to us what we charge. Right. And you're saying uh, that's less dangerous than knocking on someone's door, is it? 
Um, I think sitting on, sitting on a lawnmower, going up and down. Well, it's health and safety. <laughs> um, it's all been checked every I'm year. I'm sure it is. It sounds fun. Has to be checked. My yeah. little boy would absolutely love I know. that. Our he would love it. love it. What do you think about this increase then in rent from 150 pounds a year to 8,000 pounds? Right. Well, I don't want to get into it too much, right. but our people, DC and Deputy DC, talk to the council. All the year rounds, they're talking about different things yep. and what's going to go on and that. Really, they should know by now how much they're going to pay. I think that's wrong. Well, the, 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 this is what we were hearing earlier yeah. on. There's six weeks till the, the start of the new no, tax year when the, the increase goes up. Enough. They're not talking to the council or the council are not helping them. I know this cuts everywhere. Um, but you think how many children we're taking off the streets cause trouble? Um, how much we're training them? Um, there's a lot of children getting their Duke Edinburgh awards. Of course, right. but, but Andy, get awards when they're older. You say, Andy, you say uh, that, 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 that these kids are being taken off the street, and, and uh, surely the kind of children or young people that would join the Cubs and join the Scouts are probably not on a particularly dangerous path anyway. Yeah, but what you've got to think of, you know, there are dangerous paths. There are a lot of children who haven't got the money, and scouting supports them. Mm. We have, we put money away each year to help children to get a uniform, to help them. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, Andy, what's, is everything all right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. What's, are, you, are you in trouble with the missus? No, no, no. What, what was she fine. saying? No, she's just come downstairs. That was all. She one of ours on the phone. Oh, oh. <laughs> tell her she, tell her you're talking to BBC Three Counties. Yeah, I will. All right, Andy. Oh, listen, we'll let, we'll let you get back. I don't want to have a domestic there because of me. Not another one. There's Andy in Stevenage fundraiser for the Scouts in Stevenage, getting told off by his wife. I think I heard the phrase "Why haven't you made me a cup of tea?" But I'm not sure. I don't. I don't want to cast aspersions. But that's I think what it sounded. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. 08459 four double five five or five. They're not having a particularly romantic start to Valentine's, are they? What are you doing on the phone for? Make me a cup of tea, Andy. Here's the travel with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking much the same out there at the moment. No major problems to update you with. Southbound on the M1 traffic has returned to normal, so it looks like it's moving fairly nicely out there around Junction 12 at Flitwick. Uh, no major problems on the usual trouble areas either. The A405 actually not looking too bad at the moment, and the A414 and the A41 also coping well. The rest of the motorways also looking good, but I'm afraid on the trains we have looking like it's uh, got a little bit tricky again. Delays of up to an hour on East Midlands trains between St Pancras International heading north towards the north wing and particularly around Nottingham, Sheffield and Corby. This is all due to the overhead line problems at Radless. This will be affecting things all through the area and because of this we also have disruption on First Castle Connect between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford of course as well. So do check before you travel this morning. Yesterday it was really causing an awful lot of problems so please do be aware. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Sophie. On the Facebook page Mark has picked up on my ambition is to be led off a broken down underground train through the tunnel mark says i must say that's a strange thing to say that you'd like to break down on an underground train and be led by the driver from the rear of the train along the track it's not too pleasant in the height of summer in those tunnels oh mark i love it though i wouldn't want anyone to be injured i'm not morbid like that but just the excitement the romance of being led along those tunnels oh it sounds fantastic to me nearly 6.46, it's Thursday the 14th of February, it's the day that BBC Three Counties goes digital, these are your headlines this morning. Thameslink commuters are being warned to expect further disruption this morning after overhead cables came down in Radlett yesterday. 
An inquest jury has reached a verdict of accidental death in the case of a man whose body was found in Woodland near Beaconsfield last January. In sport, world number one Mark Selby made an early exit at the Welsh Open snooker with a heavy defeat by Joe Perry from Aerosmith in Newport. Coming up, yesterday we told you all about a campaign to try and stop plans for an out-of-town retail park near Leighton Buzzard from getting the go-ahead. Well, the proposals have got the thumbs up. We'll get the reaction of the local council and campaigners to the decision before 7am. For now, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Well, I have to say it's not a very nice start to the day, is it? There's a lot of surface water around and um, plenty of heavy rain yet to fall from the sky right across the three counties. But then later on into the mid-morning and the first part of the afternoon, it will be a much better story. So ideal weather for a nice romantic walk. I think you might get one of those in this afternoon. Lots of heavy rain through this morning and then clearing from Buckinghamshire as we get into the mid-morning. By the afternoon, it will be a much drier story. Watch out for one or two scattered showers, but lots of brightness and some spells of sunshine out there as well. So lovely end of the day. Just watch out for those showers. Temperatures a lot milder too, with them um, peaking at 8 or 9 degrees Celsius later on. In High Wycombe, in Luton, St Albans as well, that's 48 in Fahrenheit. Big jump in temperatures there, but still cold night on offer. It will be dry for the most part, some clear skies, temperatures dipping to 2 degrees Celsius. Watch out for a touch of frost in the rural spots tomorrow, but it's looking fine and dry on Friday and indeed the weekend is set fair as well at last the weather that we deserve that's the forecast Elizabeth tomorrow I'm doing the dreaded OB the outside broadcast (laughs) from St George's Square in Luton please tell me it's going to be warm and dry you are a lucky lucky boy really it'll be a cold start a cold start because possibly a frost in some places although not where's the the luck where's the luck there um yeah, but it will be dry and the sun will come out. So um, so you should have a lovely outside broadcast. Elizabeth, that'll do me. Thank you very much indeed. I, I can buy that. I can buy that. Thank you, Elizabeth. On Valentine's Day, BBC Three Counties Radio is broadcasting live for 24 hours. We'll be broadcasting live from your town, your, your city, city, your village. I'm here in King's Langley. I'm here in Leighton Buzzard. Live in the centre of Aylesbury. We're putting together a very special 24 hours in the life of beds, hearts and bucks. We'll be all over the Three Counties covering the stories that matter to you. Welling Garden City has a new look library. 66 stores will be closing, including those in Luton, Watford and St. Albans. Officials in Bedford say they're extremely pleased. 24 hours in beds, hearts and bucks. Starts Valentine's Day morning at 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. We are going to be in St George's Square tomorrow. Excellent news, it's going to be dry. I'm not so keen on the frost that Elizabeth mentioned there. That's not striking me as so exciting. This is a song. Just ordered a load of Mama Cass CDs off the internet. Very excited. Once I believed that when love came to me
pleasure Valentine's message, kids. That's what it's all about. Oh, it's joyous, that song, isn't it? Sends shivers down my spine. I love it. A bit of Mama Cass. Here's some breaking news. It's not local, but I thought this, this is on. This has been tweeted by BBC Breaking News. We'll look into it. But South Africa's Paralympic star, Oscar Pistorius, is alleged to have accidentally shot dead his girlfriend, local media reports say. Now, of all the tweets I was expecting to see today, that was not one of them. What an incredible, incredible story. We'll, we'll, I know it's not local, but we'll certainly have a little look into that uh, a bit later on. Now, yesterday, we told you all about a campaign to try and stop plans for an out-of-town retail park near Leighton Buzzard from getting the go-ahead. Well, the proposals were approved yesterday. Campaigners, of course, say they are extremely disappointed. Developers have been granted permission to build the smaller of two schemes suggested for Grovebury Road. It'll include a DIY unit, a garden centre, four other shops and a restaurant. Conservative councillor Nigel Young from Central Bedfordshire Council explains why they back the plans. It will uh, potentially provide some small starter units for small and medium businesses, uh, which is, is likely to bring more jobs to, uh, to Leighton Buzzard. And the committee felt that the scale of this development and the, the larger size of the units proposed in this development would not prejudice uh, bringing forward south of Leighton Buzzard High Street and might, in fact, bring benefits to the town. Well, Victoria Harvey is an environmental campaigner who's been fighting the plans. Victoria, how did you feel when you heard that it had got the thumbs up? Um, incredibly disappointed. I know that some of our councillors fought very hard to represent the views of local people and to protect the town centre, but overall we feel that Central Bedfordshire has betrayed our town centre because these shops can basically sell anything that is in the town centre. They're not very big. The largest one is two-thirds smaller, than, is only two-thirds of the size of home base. So it's unlikely we'll get a big DIY store. And also, it's going to directly compete with the garden centre and the shops beside the garden centre. So it's likely we're going to lose at least 50 jobs. So it's not really going to help the town at all. Well, council, we just heard there from Councillor Nigel Young, and it, he seems to think that it, it could draw business into the town centre. Councillor Young seems to think that Dunstable is a marvellous example of a shining town centre. He is risking the whole local plan for this. He's saying that it is for bulky goods, but there is no condition as yet formed that says that it's anything apart from what can be sold in the town centre. They can sell stationery, cycles, sports goods, arts, crafts, toys, all the shops we've already got in the town centre. So it's a new town centre on the edge of town. You obviously feel very passionate about this, Victoria, and we spoke to um, some shopkeepers yesterday who, who, who feel the same and were dreading mm. this going ahead. We also had lots of phone calls from people saying, well, you know, the, the Leighton Buzzard the town centre isn't providing us with what we need. It's tough. We completely agree Leighton Buzzard doesn't give people what we need. We desperately need clothes shops. We desperately need a wide range of shops, and we need them to happen in the south side of the high street, where the council's invested thousands of pounds in bringing four plans. The risk with this is that it could really prejudice those plans, because there'll be less, less shops in the town centre, shops are likely to move out to the out-of-town retail park, and then why would other shops want to move into Leighton Buzzard? Are you worried, Victoria, that this is the beginning of the end of the town centre of Leighton Buzzard? I'm extremely worried, and we're starting a desperate appeal to raise money to go for judicial review. We've worked incredibly hard, and we've employed an expert planning consultant, 
and our aim is to look at the evidence which we believe is deeply flawed and bring a judicial review against the council. And how long, how long does that, is that planned, do you think? Uh, we have three months in which to bring a judicial review. The first thing is we need to raise £10,000 for it. And we're starting work on that already. OK, Victoria, listen, very nice to talk to you. Thank you very much. No doubt we will follow this as your appeal continues. That's Victoria Harvey, an environmental campaigner who has been fighting the plans. The plans have got the go-ahead to build a... An out-of-town, I think it's about a mile out-of-town um, retail park. Let's have a quick look at the front pages, shall we? Horse meat scandal is breathtaking. Um, beef products contaminated as a result of criminal activity may pose a risk to human health. MPs warned for the first time. Oh, look, and there's um, uh, David Cameron eating a pork pie. Oh, dear. We welcome you to work here, PM tells Indian students. Lots on the front page of The Telegraph today. Um... Oh, a secret document shows how Al-Qaeda planned to seize Sahara insurgency. The Independent. Shop horror. Has the Portas revolution gone off the rails? Freedom of information requests suggest that most of the £1.2 million allocated by the government last year to the 12 towns in the vanguard of Mary Portas's high street revolution remains unspent. Some of that was in beds, hearts and bucks, wasn't it, I think? With much of what has been spent apparently being squandered on such items as... A Peppa Pig costume. Full story is page three. I'll have a little look at that later on, see how that affects us. And PM targets benefits for EU nationals. Uh, The Times. Ministers knew of meat risk last year. The government knew last summer that a sudden ban on cheap British beef and lamb meant it was inevitable that unlawful meat would be imported for Europe. And there's a very strange picture of John Galliano the fashion designer, who it says here is a convicted anti-Semite accused of mocking Jews. He's dressed up as a Hasidic Jew. Yeah, okay, interesting. Uh, The Guardian, what have we got here? Dutch trader could be central player in horsemeat scandal. Uh, And then Paul McCartney is talking about the horsemeat scandal for some reason, I know not why. Uh, The Express, Britain's back on flood alert. alert. Uh, And there's a picture of Carol Vorderman wearing... She looks ridiculous. I like Carol, she's nice, she's a nice lady. She looks ridiculous. The Daily Mail, crisis number two for the man with no shame. Uh, and oh, look at that pic. We had um, Heron Mirren with pink hair the other day. Look at her hair now, she looks ridiculous. She's dressed up as the Queen again. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, and the front page of The Sun ITV chump flashes pic of Kate's bump. Million C Duchess in bikinis is on this morning, and um, Eamon Holmes had to apologise for showing a picture of the princess in a bikini. Right, travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking much the same at the moment out there. No major problems to update you. It's starting to look a little bit slow, though, particularly anti-clockwise on the M25 around Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also a little bit slow at 16 this morning as well, just around the M40. A405 um, North Autor Road beginning to look a little bit busy now as well, just approaching the M25 at Junction 21A. But on the trains is where the real problems are. We do still have delays of up to an hour on East Midlands trains heading out of St. International up towards the north. So this will be affecting things through the area. This is all following the overhead line problems at Radlett and disruption as well on First Capital Connect because of this between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford as well. So do check before you travel. Yesterday afternoon it was really causing an awful lot of problems. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. This Portas thing is interesting. I shall have a little look at this. Bedford Council received £51,000. They spent 
are they doing with the rest of it? Here's the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines, Thameslink commuters face two-hour delays, charities hit back at Luton rent hike and a bitter blow for Leighton Bozzard campaigners. BBC Three Counties Radio. Commuters are being warned to expect delays of up to two hours to trains into London this morning after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. Network Rail have been working on the problem overnight and will investigate the cause in due course. But First Capital Connect say it will take, may take until six o'clock tomorrow morning for services to return to normal. Here's their spokesman, Paul Oxley. Damage was quite extensive, so NetRail have been able to carry out half the repairs uh, overnight. So we actually have access to two out of the four lines between Bedford and London St Pancras. Uh, so there will be a train service running at all uh, Thameslink stations. It will be heavily reduced, and so customers will experience delays throughout the rest of the day. South African police say a woman's body has been found at the home of the Paralympic runner Oscar Pistorius. Unconfirmed reports say he shot his girlfriend, possibly because he mistook her for a burglar and is being questioned. The jury at the trial of the Bletchley man accused of killing Rachel Manning in 2000 will continue its deliberations this morning. 41-year-old Shahidul Ahmed denies murdering the 19-year-old whose body was found at Woburn Golf Course. Scout leaders are criticising Luton Borough Council's decision to increase their rents from April the 1st. They say the changes, which will affect all the area's charitable and voluntary groups, will force many to close. Igneal Scouts face the sharpest rise. Their rent is set to increase from 150 to £8,000 a year. Simon Carter from the Scout Association is urging the council to reconsider. For us, it's about negotiating with the local authorities that these changes shouldn't come in. And, and to be fair to the local authority in Luton, they are talking to us but the challenge is they need to tell us quickly we're six weeks away from the start of the next financial year and they haven't actually told us what the costs are going to be they've given us ifs and buts and maybes so please tell us give us certainty Plans for an out-of-town retail park near Leighton Buzzard have been given the go-ahead. Developers have been granted permission to build a DIY unit and garden centre as well as four shops and a restaurant on the Grovebury Road site. Campaigners fear the decision spells the end of Leighton Buzzard's High Street. Listeners to BBC Three Counties Radio will be able to pick up the station on digital radio after a big switch-on event just before the end of Ian Lee's programme this morning. The new digital service will be activated at a quarter to nine by MK Don's chairman Pete Winkleman and former Luton Town manager David Pleat. In sport, the Champions League last night, Danny Welbeck scored the crucial away goal as Manchester United drew 1-0 with Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. The former United player Cristiano Ronaldo equalised for Madrid, but Sir Alex Ferguson says he was satisfied with the result and praised the performance of his goalkeeper, David De Gea. As for the weather, heavy rain this morning, but isolated showers later with a top temperature of 8 degrees Celsius. That's 46 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. The interview I did earlier on with the train man, was that OK for you? Because I know that I got a bit of criticism before the show. A bit of criticism. I just said, could you let people speak without going, hmm, 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 hmm. So that's what I do during interviews, I only is it? took three out, it's fine. You're doing quite well. Okay, well, it could I'm be. I'm saving them. It could be worse. I could be doing this. I hate you. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day, Catherine. <laughs> <sighs> Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. There's more on that Mary Portas story. We'll read that and uh, in- investigate further about how Bedford have spent, or rather not spent, the £52,000 they got through the Portas scheme. But in the meantime, Lots coming up on this show. 
Don't forget, by the end of the show, at the end of the show, this whole station is going digital, D-A-B. You'll need to retune your radios to get it worked, probably, possibly. But you need to do, it's like a little scan, isn't it? You don't need to do much. You press the scan button and it'll find us. We're doing it at the end of the show. I'm always worried when... On my show, kind of technical things are happening. You know, the, the, someone is pushing a big red button to make something happen. Because if it goes wrong, which, let's be honest, technical things tend to go wrong when you do them live, it's me that looks like a plum. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Coming up between now and 8 o'clock, First Capital Connect have told this programme that some trains into London this morning are being delayed by more than two hours. They're blaming Network Rail. I'll be speaking to them in the next few minutes. How are the delays affecting you? There's a fantastic picture on the Facebook page of uh, queues of people waiting for a replacement bus from Hitchin to Luton last night. It looks awful, and it was cold last night. If the trains, or the lack thereof, are affecting you, 08459... Four double five five double five. Some voluntary groups in Luton are to face huge creases, increases to their rent. The Scouts say they provide an essential service to the community, and it's not fair. Do you think the Scouts should have to pay more? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And the UK and EU countries are expected to enforce a new system of random meat testing in the wake of the horse meat scandal. I'll bring you all the latest developments before 8 o'clock. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Include your name, please. And, of course, you can give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you are travelling on Thameslink trains this morning, I'm afraid you're going to face major problems. Overhead cables came down in Hertfordshire yesterday. About a kilometre of cables came down. Passengers were evacuated and walked down the line near Radlett. Replacement buses are being organised for stations between Luton and London tomorrow. First Capital Connect say disruption is expected until six o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, these passengers were caught up in the disruption yesterday. We uh, heard a bang in, in t- towards the front of the train and the um, train wobbled a little bit and then slowly came to a stop. And then they, annou- they announced that um, some of the overhead wire had smashed the windscreen of the, where the driver sat. And uh, we couldn't go back because um, it was Radlett where, where it happened and we had to wait until the lines were were fixed and they couldn't fix them right away so we had to wait for quite a while then walk along the railway lines and they um, put us in little buses and now a big bus the train just stopped so I decided to you know get off the train and take a taxi so then I had to pay 27 pounds to get to my appointment and I just paid 11 pounds to get back here um, because my, this taxi driver said that St Albans wasn't affected. I was a bit sceptical. Um, so it's been quite an expensive day. Well, I'm going from St Albans to Middlesbrough. So, nightmare. I I've, I've never been down here before. And I have to go to West Hampstead, is it? I'd never even heard of the place before. So I have to go from there to St Pancras. I have to get on a bus now. Well, welcome to Hertfordshire. I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to hear your stories on this. If you were affected last night, or if you are affected this morning, could you give me a call? 
It's all very well and good throwing out, and we're going to hopefully be speaking to uh, um, someone from uh, Network Rail shortly. It's all very good throwing out these facts and these times, and this is what happened, and this is why we think it happened. But I think the important thing with things like this is your stories, the human story. So if you've been affected, if you're, you're having to rethink your route to work today, 08459 455 555. Like I said, we're trying to get hold of Martin Frobisher, who is Route Managing Director for Network Rail. But earlier on in the show, I spoke to Paul Oxley. He's from First Capital Connect. The whole kilometre of the damage was quite extensive. So Network Rail have been able to carry out half the repairs uh, overnight. So we actually have access to two out of the four lines between Bedford and London St Pancras. Uh, so there will be a train service running at all uh, Thameslink stations. It will be heavily reduced, and so customers can experience, will, will experience delays throughout the rest of the day. How long are those delays going to be? About 15 to 30 minutes. Okay, because so, we've so heard, we're not we've looking heard... at the same levels we saw yesterday, but we are predicting that services will be heavily congested. So if passengers are able to, they can use their tickets on our Great Northern route. And if anyone is a car park season ticket holder, they can park for free at a GN car park. How long is this going to go on for, do you think, Paul? Network Rail are going to take possession of the line again at 10 o'clock to carry out the last leg of the um, engineering works. We are, uh, they are telling us. Uh, that we will have the line back to normal um, from 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, so we will be able to put together the full timetable uh, the best we can. You're saying the delays at 15, 30 minutes. The, the website is saying delays of up to two hours on some trains. They, they are. Uh, so they're, 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 we've only just had possession back earlier this morning, so they are residual delays. Of only bit you know, stock gets displaced, so we've got to get that in So there, there will be delays of two hours on some trains? At the moment, there are. We are experiencing delays, but on average, we're at delays of up to 30 minutes for the rest okay. of the day. So on average, up to uh, up to thirty minutes, but some trains will be delayed for two hours. Just yep. to clarify, that's what we're currently experiencing at this moment. Okay. Do you know what trains will be delayed for two hours? Uh, no, I can't. I can't uh, clarify that. That people, th- these trains are going to be busy. There are going to be delays. What advice have you got for people who are waking up this morning and need to use your trains? Uh, my advice is to please leave plenty of time. Please do check our website www.firstcapitalconnect.co.uk. Uh, if you can, please do also use London uh, uh, Underground. At Mill Hill, Broadway for Edgware Station and West Hampstead. Uh, tickets will be accepted on uh, London Underground and London buses. And like I say, if, if you are able to, please do use our Great Northern service. Oh, we're joined now by Martin Frobisher, who is Route Managing Director for Network Rail. Morning, Martin. Morning. What's happened? Okay, well, we've had um, the overhead lines have come down in the Radlett area. Now, it's, um, it's held up on what's called a headspan arrangement, where the, the wires are all supported from the same structure, and it's come down, it's brought the wires down on all four lines. So overnight, um, the engineers have been, uh, have been working, they've removed the, um, the wires from the track. We've got all four lines open. Four, all four will be open for diesel traffic, so East Midlands train services running are able to run on all four lines, um, and two lines will be open for electric tra- uh, traffic, and that's the first capital connect services. What went wrong? A kilometre of cables coming down seems incredible. Well, at this stage, we don't know. We've got to do a a detailed forensic investigation. We're going to be uh, looking in great detail at the components on the uh, overhead line system. We need to understand it in detail. Obviously, our first priority has been to get the service running, and over the next few days, we need to study it and understand precisely what's happened. Overhead power cables have gone down before. Why Why did it happen in the past? Um, well, there's any number of different um, possibilities. There's lots of components on the overhead line system. So what we need to do is we need to look at all of those, look at all the... But uh, what happened in, in the past when it happened, Martin? In the past, there's been um, 
component failures or there's been pantograph problems with a train, I wouldn't want to prejudge. What, the what's cause a pantograph problem? A pantograph is the um, component on the top of the train which connects with the overhead line, line wires and um, and draws the electricity into the train. Is it worrying that it's, it, it seems to be happening, you know, more than once? Um, it's not happened for a long time. My understanding is that the last time we had a headspan problem on um, the Midland Main Line was 2007. So it's not a regular event. Th- there were problems in December, weren't there? Um, there's been um, problems on a single line um, in, back in December, but the last time we've had a major dewirement on all four lines was 2007. Okay, but so but but two two or three months ago is is quite yeah. recent. Yeah, one thing that is worth mentioning is that yeah. as part of the Midland Main Line upgrade electrification project, we're going to be substantially improving the um, the design of the overhead line wires from Bedford into London, um, and that'll bring um, reliability improvements um, in the long term. I should hope so. What, what, why, is it, why does it take so long to sort out? We're hearing that it won't be until six o'clock tomorrow morning that things are possibly back to normal. Well, as you've rightly said, there's um, 900 metres of, um, of damage across all four lines of way. Um, last night there were a number of trapped trains which we needed to recover. So there's a lot of work to do. What we've done is we've got the service moving as, uh, as much as possible for today to be able to run a service into London today. And then overnight tonight we're going to get lots of people out and we'll do the, uh, the rest repairs in order to be open for um, six o'clock tomorrow morning people are, are, are rightfully furious aren't they martin what, what would your message be to those people who uh, uh, were struggling last night for hours in the freezing cold and will be struggling again this morning well look we're sorry for all the delays that have been caused um we, from my point of view we're, we're going to get back as fast as we possibly can um we're then going to de- have a, do a detailed forensic investigation to understand precisely what's failed and to um to make the improvements that we can and in the, in the long term we're going to be investing hundreds of millions of pounds in um, electrification on Midland Main Line. That's going to include big improvements from um, Bedford through to London, um, and those will deliver big improvements in the long run. Martin, how long do you think those investigations will take? When, when do you think we'll know what the problem was? Um, I think we'll get some initial feedback um, in two to three weeks. Right. But in the um, but to do a full investigation, looking at fracture surfaces with um, with electron microscopes, Ooh. it might actually take um, two to three months to complete the full investigation because obviously it's a big incident and we need to do it very very thoroughly. Martin, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I'm sure you're a very busy man, Martin Frobisher, Route Managing Director for Network Rail. As I said, it, it, it's you know it's important we speak to these people from First Capital Connect and Network Rail. But the real story here is you, is how this is affecting you. There's an incredible picture on the Facebook page of people queuing for a replacement bus last night. Apparently there was a problem with some of the buses as well. People were queuing for ages and then they said, oh no, there's no more buses. How did it affect you last night getting home? How is it affecting you this morning? You're not even bothering to go to work. You're thinking, do you know what? It's just not worth the effort. 08459 455 555. Give us your stories, please. Tell me how it's affecting you this morning. Right, coming up to 7.15, the travel news. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
southbound on the M1, looking slow at the moment between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne. Anti-clockwise on the M25, looking at a couple of problems at the moment. Fairly heavy between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Again between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And also slow at 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Heading south on the Barnet Bypass, it is slow this morning around Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. And the A10, Great Cambridge Road, heading south through Enfield, also slow between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. East Midlands trains looking like we still have delays of up to an hour heading out of St Pancras and north up towards Nottingham at Sheffield and Corby. This is affecting things at the moment, all following overheadline problems at Radlett. Services are running, but of course will be subjected to real substantial delays. Also affecting First Capital Connect services between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford. Do check before you travel and we will bring you more on this as and when any information comes in. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Sophie. 7.16 exactly. It's Thursday the 14th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Commuters are being warned to expect delays of up to two hours to trains into London this morning after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. South African police say a woman's body has been found at the home of the Paralympic runner Oscar Pistorius. In sport in the Champions League last night, Danny Welbeck scored the crucial away goal as Manchester United drew one all with Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Your weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Heavy rain this morning, isolated showers later with a top temperature of 8 degrees. Coming up, some voluntary groups in Luton are to face huge increases to their rent. The Scouts say they provide an essential service to the community, and it's not fair. Well, do you think the Scouts should have to pay up? We'll talk more about this before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. No two days are ever the same on my programme. That's because I get to meet passionate local people. As usual, over a pint in the Queen's Head one night in Amtour, we said, hey, why don't we have a, a pop-up cinema? And we just got together and we convert Parkside Hall into a cinema. Play loads of great music. The Birds, Mr Tambourine Man. Tell me which other show on the radio goes from Leanne Rhymes to Elvis Presley. And sometimes I try to learn new skills. And then you've got the white thread basically connected to these bobbins, which... Don't make, rubble, oh, oh, don't mess oh, them oh, up. I may have messed them up. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Love Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Love Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I say, you don't have to love me. Just don't post as much abuse as you do about me on Facebook. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Now, um, oh, we can talk uh, to Steve from Stuartby. Morning, Steve. Morning. You've been affected by this uh, disruption on the trains, have you? Yeah, I was caught a minute last night, and I'm um, affected by it again this morning. So, what, t- tell me what happened last night. Where were you going from and to? Uh, usually travel from St Pancras up to Bedford. Uh, a colleague told me at work early afternoon that there was disruption on the Thameslink line. So, I took a look on the National Rail website, see the problem was there. Uh, I knew the alternative routes were via Sandy or St Neots, so took a something by northern route up to Sandy. I, I, I could have gone up as far as St Neots and used the coach service from St Neots to Bedford, but chose to arrange for somebody to pick me up at Sandy. So how much longer was your journey last night, Steve? Or, or... Uh, oh, well, the journey from the journey from London to Sandy is about 
I prefer usually use East Midlands trains of the evening. The journey from London was about 20 minutes longer. And it took me about 20 minutes longer to get home than it's normally from so, It's probably 40 minutes. So 40 minutes. In the great scheme of things, that's not... It's inconvenient. It's not too bad. I, I think, I, I think you got off lightly. Yeah, it's inconvenient. It's not a big problem. Yeah. Well, what, well, what's, happened, what's happened this morning, Steve? Uh, checked on National Wild website. See the problem is still there. Uh, again, chose to drive to Sandy. My car park ticket in Bedford Valley to Sandy, so that's not an issue. Okay. Uh, currently sitting on the train coming down from Sandy. It's not oh. particularly full. Oh, you found like a, you found a sneaky little back route into London then, if the train's not that full. I thought everyone would have discovered that by now. So you, I, I think that the, what the lesson to learn from your call, Steve, is just check on the website and plan in advance. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were actually posted up a better station, giving alternative routes should there be disruption. Steve, listen, thank you very much indeed. That's what you want to hear. Someone who's, who's gone, yeah, 40 minutes. It's not brilliant, but really, in the great scheme of things, I can, I can survive with that. Thank you, Steve. Excellent advice there. Try and a little bit of extra time and try and plan. Now, a decision by uh, Luton Borough Council to increase rents for charities and voluntary organisations is being heavily criticised by those affected. Organisations such as scout groups and charity shops will see their rent increase from April the 1st after the council agreed the increases. One scout group in Luton uh, will see its ground rent go up from £150 a year to £8,000 a year. Well, Colette McKeveney manages two age-concerned branches in the town. Morning, Colette. Good morning, Ian. How are these rent increases going to affect age concern? What have you been paying and what will you be paying? Oh, gosh. Um, well, in effect, the proposed rent after negotiation is an increase of about 20%. So it's going up several thousand pounds. We were paying a market rent in our two charity shops. And we know that because we've sort of taken independent advice that we were paying a fair rent. We weren't getting something for nothing. Mm. Um, we've pointed out to Lytton Borough Council that the rents they're proposing are actually, you know, in excess of market rent. They're a very good deal um, for Lytton Borough Council, mm. but not a very good for, deal for a trader. And um, the feedback we had been getting was that they could get better commercial rents from, for example, um, betting shops, you know, who are able to uh, pay big rents because obviously they make great big profits on like charities and um, uh, scout groups and people of that kind. It sounds like, again, you got off lightly with with, with just 20, I say just 20% increase compared to those poor scouts, but it's still significant for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we appreciate and we accept that Luton Borough Council needs to make as much money as possible to put the holes in public spending. However, much of the work that they used to do, for example, community development, um, is completely wasted. All that money they invested over years if they penalise the community groups that are out there. And um, I think we all think, anybody that's been through Scouts or Brownies or anything like that, that these types of things are absolutely vital to helping young people uh, become the type of citizens we want them to be. So, you know, it seems very counterintuitive to me that anybody would take such a short-term view. How are you going to to raise the extra money? Are you going to start charging two pounds twenty-five for the, the paperbacks instead of one twenty-five? What, what's the, what's the plan? Well, this is the other part of the dilemma, and I think you've, you've put your finger on the um, the pulse here, because really, uh, we're talking about charity shops, and ours, and everybody that knows them in Newton knows that we're pretty cheap compared to most of the charity shop, shop sector. You're largely providing goods for low-income families. We all know, um, you, you know, you've covered this yourself from three counties, the impact of future changes to benefit rules, and um, even families who are working, we're finding many of them are on short time. So if we're saying that, you know, Luton is in effect a bit poorer than it used to be. I think we need more people around providing low, you know, priced goods. So 
that's the last thing you kind of want to do is to be thinking about price increases apart from anything else um you know you 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 want to be competitive but also you want to provide people with a bargain you know councils need to make cuts and money somewhere though don't they they do they do and again you know i can understand the dilemma that they're facing i mean you know everybody who's looking at a bit less money in their pocket than they were last year is having to make cuts but i think this is this is where it takes skill and wisdom that you're thinking well what's the impact of that cut you know if if i put up rents to small independent traders charity shops and voluntary organizations you know, what will the impact of that be? I mean, what Lytton Borough Council has actually told the sector is, uh, you know, that some people will be able to apply for some sort of a one-off relief-type situation um, from charitable money, which absolutely fine, but it's not a long-term solution. I think it's much better to charge a reasonable, sustainable, you know, rent in the first place. And... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by the logic, we, I have to be honest. We've been talking about high streets and town centres mm. uh, quite a lot recently on, on, exactly. on this show. Uh, and there are some people, Colette, that will say, to be honest, there are too many charity shops on the high street and in, in, in town centres. Do, yeah. we, we don't want charity shops. We, we want proper shops, for want of a better word. What would you say yeah, to them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I totally empathise with that. And partly, um, it's about the fact that, you know, charities are limited in what they can do. If I wanted to open a charity greengrocer, you know, I'd have much more of a difficulty um, getting planning permission to be a charity greengrocer than to be, um, uh, you know, a charity shop, because you're not competing with people in the direct sense of the word. So so partly some of the restrictions and some of the reasons why charity shops do what they do um, is about sort of recycling of goods and all the rest of it. But also, it's about um, not competing with independent traders. However, if we are saying that we want high streets and we want vibrant high streets as community you know bases as hubs where people go rather than everybody ordering off the internet or going to the out of town shopping center then we need to do things that sustain it and i think for example you know any any council thinking about the future might be thinking how it wants to promote small businesses people taking up those units i mean i went into a local town i went into dunstable on saturday and I haven't been there for a few years. And I have to tell you, you know, walking down the high street in Dunstable, it was it was a ghost town. It was mm. just what's happened. You know, this is such a thriving market town. And, you know, obviously I'm not saying Dunstable Council are to blame for this. There's lots of reasons, including the recession. But, you know, you're kind of thinking, okay, councils, come on, get your acts together, Luton, Dunstable, all the, all the local councils, and think about how you actually sustain your high street. Colette, I would imagine uh, with, with uh, you know, times being tough for oh. a lot of people, uh, that your charity shops are, are doing a thriving business at the moment. Is, are, are things going well? Are lots of people coming in? Well, pe- lots of people are coming in, um, but, but if I tell you, for example, we're making almost double the sales for exactly the same profit, that really? tells you that kind of, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, obviously many charity shops now are in the position that we are, that, for example, where they're struggling to get um, donations. Lots of donations are being sold on eBay or people are selling them to cash for clothes, you know, or whatever, you know, they've got other options. Mm. So so it's not, it's not absolutely a license to print money as some people think it is, you know. We are still very fortunate that you have generous donors, but generally speaking... Um, you know, we, we fill we fill up a need, we fill a gap in the market, but, but we're not, um, you know, we're not we're not making money for nothing. We have got market rents, and we have got the the costs that other businesses have as well. So, I mean, I, I recently I moved at the weekend, uh, yeah, and I um, took a couple of bags to a couple of different charity shops. I kind of like to split the, the the charity shops I take stuff to, Aww. and I got I got I said I've got these bags, and the bloke went, oh, could you put it in the room in the back? I got to go collect into the room in the back. 
it was uh-huh. like it was like a treasure trove. <laughs> All the good stuff's in there. Do you do, is, is that how it works? That someone brings in a, 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 a picture and you go, "Oh, this is a signed John Lennon picture." I'm having this. I'm not putting this out in the shop front. Is that? Do you oh, get no, first no. dibs? Yeah, no, 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 no. Sometimes there's different things that happen. I mean, sometimes if you get something that's you know a bit of a like a signed John Lennon picture, and I'm just thinking, how how marvelous would that be? Often, what happens is the charity shop managers, if they've got something that's likely to be a high item, a high value item, um, they need to put it to one side, not because they're going to take it, but because it needs to be properly valued. Right. Some of that stuff finds its way um, into you know specialist dealers, or you know sort of uh, perhaps onto you know eBay online shops, or you know there's lots and lots of different ways to max. It, but you know some of the really really good stuff you won't want to, you don't want to put five pounds in a John Lennon picture. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, but you just just to confirm you don't go and get first dibs. No, not at all. Okay. I mean, if anything, most charity shops um, have policies that say if staff you know volunteers at the charity shop and the manager want to buy something, uh, what's going to happen is that you know it has to be properly valued and it has to be uh, you know paid for like everybody else. And I think that's the standard. I, I know love. There's some, some charities allow people a discount, but that discount's only going to be 20% or something yeah. for a staff discount. I love a good rummage in a charity shop. I love it when <laughs> I'm in a new town and I've got half an hour to spend and I go and I just rummage. I love it. You can find gold. Colette, thank you very much indeed. Colette McKeveney uh, manages two age concern uh, branches in Luton. Well, they, they don't get first dibs. That's something. Um, oh, we've got a couple of texts about us. We're going digital today on the DAB. Helen in Milton Keynes says, As I do not have DAB radio, does this mean I will not receive programmes? Yes, we're not broadcasting on FM anymore after today. I'm joking. Of course, you can get us all the usual ways. You can get us on the FM and uh, the computers and on your phones and things like that. You can also get us from about nine o'clock, just before, on your DAB radios. And Judy says, I do not have a DAB radio in my bedroom. Does that mean I won't be able to listen to you in the mornings or will you still transmit on FM? Yes. You'll be able to get us all the usual ways, but another way as well. More on that later on. Right, 7.29 thereabouts is the travel news with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting on the trains, we still have delays of about an hour, about to increase as well, heading in towards St Pancras this morning, really causing problems all due to the overhead line problems at Radlett, also affecting First Capital Connect between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford as well. It's really causing an awful lot of problems, so do check before you travel this morning, and of course we will bring you any updates we get. Moving on to the roads, looking much the same at the moment. Southbound on the M1, fairly slow between 11 at Dunstable and 9 at Redbourne. Anti-clockwise on the M25, also slow between 20. 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Again, between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And also slow at 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40. The A10 heading south on the Great Cambridge Road. Still looking heavy as well between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. Everything else, though, not looking too bad at all. All seems to be moving fairly nicely out there on the roads. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. There's your travel. Here's your news. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with your 7.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Commuters are being warned to expect delays of up to two hours to trains into London this morning after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. South African police say a woman's body's been found at the home of the Paralympic runner Oscar Pistorius and the jury at the trial of the Bletchley man accused of killing Rachel Manning in 2000 will continue its deliberations this morning. 
Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson praised the performance of his goalkeeper David De Gea after the one-all draw with Real Madrid at the Bernabeu last night. Danny Welbeck scored the crucial away goal for United before Cristiano Ronaldo's equaliser. But Ferguson was grateful to De Gea for keeping the scores level. He has been improving all season. There was one save, I think it was the first half, we get a touch on the ball, hits the inside of the post, which absolutely superb save. So we're pleased for the boy. He'd be pleased to coming back to Madrid and performing like that. But tell him played for Atletico. Oh, he's done well, the boy. The other Champions League tie also ended in a draw as Shakhtar Donetsk and Dortmund finished 2-all in Ukraine. This evening, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle and Everton are all in action in the Europa League round 32. Liverpool are away at Zenit St Petersburg, Tottenham host Lyon, Chelsea are at Sparta Prague and Newcastle play medalist Kharkiv at St James's Park. The England wicketkeeper Matt Pryor says players will become increasingly frustrated unless the England and Wales cricket board softens its stance towards the Indian Premier League. The ECB only allows England players to play half of the IPL season because of a class clash with May test matches. I'm employed by the ECB, so I do what the ECB say right now. If that's when the test matches are, that's when the test matches are. My priority is playing test cricket for England. However, the IPL and these 2020 competitions are not going away. They're thriving and people love them and actually the players enjoy playing in them. So they're going to be more and more people, I think, getting frustrated at the lack of opportunity to maybe play in the IPL, which is obviously the biggest 2020 competition out there at the moment. So things may have to change in time. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next 30 minutes. More about us going digital, more on horse meat and probably more on trains. 08459 455 555. Now, in the fallout from the widening horsemeat scandal, the news this morning is that the UK and all EU countries are expected to enforce a new system of random meat testing starting in a few weeks' time. I kind of assumed that happened anyway. I just assumed that the food... I mean, I'm a, listen, I'm a very smug vegetarian until we start finding out what really is in tomatoes. But I'm a very smug vegetarian. But I would have assumed... My boys eat meat, my wife eats meat that these random tests were carried out anyway. I'm shocked they're not. The European Commission says products being sold as processed beef should be tested for horse DNA as well as for the banned chemical bute. Eight countries are now implicated in the contaminated supply chain. Yesterday, Germany, Switzerland and Norway all ordered withdrawals of some products. Tonio Borg is the EU's health commissioner. There are no indications that this has developed into a food safety issue. So we are treating it as a case of fraudulent, I wouldn't call it negligent, I would call it fraudulent misuse of the labelling system for economic gain. I've said this before, I will say this again. I reckon, I don't want to scare you, my, per, uh, my own personal opinion, I reckon this is the T of the I, the tip of the iceberg. I think we're going to be looking back to the days of when it was just horse meat in food. Well, we can get up to date with what's going on from our reporter, Gavin Lee. Morning, Gavin. Morning, you make it sound like the League of Gentlemen, <laughs> where human flesh is, is used. Let's hope not. Let, well, let's, let's fingers crossed we don't go that far. I'm still putting my money on we're going to find dog and monkey in food. Again, this has come from no science, but I, I, I think we're getting softened up. EU ministers uh, yeah. met in Brussels last night. A more regulated industry and tougher law enforcement was the recommendation, wasn't it? 
Yes, I mean, ultimately, the words used um, were by most ministers, including our Environment Secretary for the UK, Owen Paterson, international criminal conspiracy behind this. So today he will be in The Hague in Holland, uh, bringing into action Europol, the European police, to try to investigate uh, what's gone wrong where, what contamination, and, and for how many people, potentially. And in terms of a way forward, well, the re recommendation which you touched upon is starts on Mar March the 1st, and well, it's set to be agreed tomorrow. We expect all EU states will agree on this. Three months of rigorous testing, so for process B for horse DNA, secondly for horse that's legitimately in the system, for the French, for the Italians and so on that eat horse, and after three months you know, the idea is we get an idea of how many of us are, are eat, have been eating horse potentially and whether the reassurance that horse meat is, is safe is correct. I mean the other thing you mentioned, you know, the testing hasn't been there the FSA, the food... I'm so agency, shocked by yeah, that. Well, the last time there was a test for horse meat was ten years ago um, there, just, I mean, there, are, there isn't the system in, in the labs to test for um, equine DNA and that's why you know now they're jumping on it in fact because interesting you've said that today because it's fallen on the day that um, we've got a number of, um, sh of um, shadow government shadow, shadow ministers labor ministers saying the FSA is not fit for purpose uh, because it should have been policing this a long time ago is there a clearer picture yet of, of exactly where the blame lies we feel like we're dancing in the shadows a little bit still because uh, the blame's been bouncing from country to country to meat trader to meat um, importer. The, the, I thought the Romanian uh, rebuttal yesterday was extremely robust. The, uh, the Prime Minister was on Newsnight last night who said that you know, Britain and British ministers have been tacitly implicating um, the farmers in the deepest, darkest corners of Transylvania to say it's not on our doorstep and saying, well, it's their fault. But so far, the Romanians and the Polish and the Eastern Europeans have been shown to legitimately selling horse meat and so they haven't contaminated, so far as we know, the beef. And that's now going to be the job of Europol to work out exactly where in the supply chain it is. I would imagine that, that, that one of the possibilities of this is that we're going to have to pay more for food. Food is very, very cheap at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. And, and would, perhaps people would be happier to pay more for food if they knew exactly what it was. I think this is a really interesting point. I mean, I heard experts last night in the, sort of the fringes of Brussels, um, lobbyists, food experts, the National Farmers Union having a meeting to say just that, the British love affair with cheap food, going back to the mid-1800s, 1840s, I think has been quoted as the, sort of the start of, of some meat being processed. It's being exposed as well, if it looks too big, good to be true, the old saying, it usually is. And the exploitation that's been going on and the, uh, lots of farmers bemoan the fact that supermarkets have been driving down the prices and greed and profits come up for that. And I think the one thing that there is still the concern about is whilst we're being told that this is no, there's no health implication here, you do wonder how profit is being made because horse meat generally in, in Europe and certainly in Italy and France is more expensive than beef. So you can only assume it's chief horse meat and that there are still sort of un unanswered questions about that. But ultimately the one thing that was mentioned last night that I'm sure will be mentioned throughout uh, the next few days is traceability and that's could in the next three months there is a hope that most things will have a stamp to say from Romania from Brussels or from the UK well, yes, the, the, the thing about the, the horse meat being, being more expensive is right but it, it, that's the worry isn't it? It, it, it is that it's manky old horses that are being sold, sold for a few quid and they're the ones that are likely to have this drug Butte in. Do we know? Are, are, are these butte tests are taking place now, I hope, are they? Do we know? Yeah, yeah. A, a number of supermarkets have been um, ordered to carry out their own tests on butte. Uh, several so food standards agency tests have carried out so far. All of them have come back negative. Uh, I think it is just a, a fear. I think even then, th there are various professors and uh, food um, safety experts saying if there are small amounts, it'll be, you know, very little risk. I mean, that doesn't really give people that much comfort. Oh, you've only had a little bit of butte in your supper, Gavin. Don't worry. <laughs> 
worry about it. <laughs> I'll have butane toast for breakfast. Gavin, thank you very much uh, indeed. It's an incredible story that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And listen, I've been a vegetarian for a long time. It's not... I banged on about it a little bit the last couple of days. It's, I'm not one of those vegetarians that sits there and goes... Oh, well, do you know exactly where that beef comes? I don't. I, I, I don't care. I never push my views on anybody. And my both my boys eat meat, and they'll they'll make the choices when they get older if they want to. It's entirely up to them. But I'm feeling quite good about myself at the moment. <coughs> Excuse me, he said, coughing up a lung. Front pages of the newspapers: uh, The Times. Ministers knew of meat risk last year. Traces of banned drug found at British apples. Can I ask you a question about this horse meat thing? Do you care? Do you care about it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're talking about it a lot, and I care because my boys eat meat. And uh, but do you really care? You kind of just sat there shrugging your shoulders, going, "Well, I don't mind. It tastes all right. That lasagna tasted all right. I couldn't care less what's in it." Do you actually care about the horse meat scandal? Yes or no? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can send me a text as well. Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. I, I imagine that there are some people who are frantically changing the way they eat and have chucked out those value burgers from their freezer. I also expect that, that one or two of you are kind of like, yeah, so what? There was a survey done, uh, and I heard the results yesterday on Radio 4, I think it was, or maybe 5 Live. Uh, and about 36% of people in this survey had changed their, ha- their eating habits and were eating less processed meat. 3% of people were eating more processed meat as a result of the horse meat scandal. So the question is, are you bothered by it? Does it bother you in the slightest? Yes or no? 08459 455 555. I mean, it's on the front page of all the newspapers here, the Daily Telegraph. Horse meat scandal is breathtaking. Beef products contaminated as a result of criminal activity may pose a risk to human health, MPs warn for the first time. The full scale of the horsemeat scandal is breathtaking and may pose a danger to public health, MPs warn today. And then there's a picture of David, uh, David Cameron um, eating a pork pie. Does it bother you? Are you bothered by this story? Are you kind of sat there going, I don't, I don't care, I don't care. Just get me the sausage, sausages, please. Oh, wait, four, five, nine. Four, double, five. Five double five. The front page of the Guardian: Dutch trader could be central player in horsemeat scandal. It's interesting <clears throat> that the main front pages, are kind of the, the broadsheets, are going for it, and the, the Mail's got a, a little bit on the front page. The Express, nothing about it on the front page. The Sun, nothing about it on the front page. Dutch trader says the Guardian could be central player in horsemeat scandal. Uh, a Dutch meat trader has emerged as a key suspect in Europe's spiralling horsemeat scandal following allegations that he was convicted as recently as last year for passing off horses' beef. McCartney's uh, getting on board the old horse bandwagon. Um, you know, uh, it's scandalous. Even if it's no big surprise, I don't like to preach, but I think I was right 30 years ago to change my eating habits. I don't think the industry will be able to regulate itself. That's my Paul McCartney impression, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed. That's from the front page uh, of The Guardian, The Independent... Um, oh, look, there's, there's nothing about horse meat. There was a little bit about horse meat on the front page of the ND, but not much. PM targets benefits for EU nationals uh, and fresh hacking headache for Murdoch. Six arrested in new line of in, uh, inquiry. Uh, and shop horror. Has the Portus revolution gone off the rails? Now, Bedford and Hatfield got money for this Mary Portas uh, pilot. Bedford received £51,260. They spent £2,346. We'll find out on what. We'll investigate that. Paul is in Stevenage. Morning, Paul. 
morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you very much. I'm just asking, this horse meat scandal, are you yeah. bothered by this? Um, no, not that, not that bothered, actually. I mean, I don't like the idea of eating horse, but if I've eaten it, it doesn't worry me too much. Uh, it's not, you know, they, they eat it in uh, Italy, as you say, and in France, don't they? So, um, um, it's not a problem. But you, you were saying about other animals, you felt that it was the tip of the iceberg. Dogs and uh, monkeys, dogs and monkeys are coming, I guarantee it. Yeah, but seven years ago, there was a, a big uh, documentary on the TV, etc., about um, pub chains passing off... Um, something called a zebu, which was an African cattle-stroke-buffalo-type uh, animal, yeah. um, as being beef, and that's what was being served up as steak. They were selling the, the, the fictional animal zebu as steak? Zebu, yeah. Zebu? Zebu. <laughs> I could just keep saying zebu all morning, I've never, and that's, that's an African buffalo, and so this, this pub chain, who shall remain nameless, were, were accused... There were several, it wasn't just one, wow. it was a national thing. Um, but but you're so Paul, you're 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 really not that bothered. You don't care what you eat as long as it's not dangerous, as long as it uh, tastes nice. You're all right with it. Well, no, I, I wouldn't say that. But what I'm saying is, is horses eaten in a number of countries yeah. and providing it's good quality, <laughs> which we don't know. That's the um, thing we don't know yet. Listen, I'm going to move on, Paul. Thank you for that. Thank you for telling me about the zebu. Joyce is in Leegrave. Morning, uh, Joyce. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Joyce. What, are, are you worried about the horse meat scandal? Well, I was just thinking, looking out the window as I'm washing up here, listening to your programme, as per usual. That good work, Very yes. Very good. Thank you. And I was just wondering, is this the reason why, or why is it, that the birds aren't eating the fat be- balls anymore that you hang in the garden? Your birds aren't eating your fat balls? No. <laughs> <laughs> how, long, how long have you been giving the birds well, your fat balls? I've noticed they're not eating them on the wall, on the on the little hangers in the gardens. They haven't been eating them for about, what, ooh, four months. I know the bad weather, and they normally go for them, you know, because they can't see food in the snow. Yeah, so you've been, pu- you've been putting your, your fat balls on the wall, and you've yeah. been hanging your fat balls on, on, on the bush, and whatever, and trees and yeah. bush, uh, and the birds just aren't tucking into your fat balls? No, no, they're not. That's interesting, isn't it? Maybe they can, de- maybe they can detect that there's something wrong with it. Oh, what is their horses? I, I just don't know what they put in them. But it just we're talking about the food and yeah. meat and the horse meat and everything. And I just had a ch- chuckle to myself thinking, I wonder why they're not eating theirs then. Yeah. Anyway. Have you ever tried a f- uh, eating your fat balls? <laughs> no, thank you. No. Uh, Joyce, listen, finally, very exciting news today, Joyce. Right. Before nine o'clock, right. BBC Three Counties Radio is going digital. I'll be listening. Have you got a DAB radio? No, my d- little old-fashioned ones, uh, and I'm hoping I can get you still. You, you will still be able to get us on your little old-fashioned one. And you keep putting your fat balls out for the birds. I'm sure <laughs> they'll take a nibble at some point. Thank you very much, Joyce in Lee Grave. <laughs> Wonderful. 7.45. Travel news, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking much the same out there at the moment. Starting on the trains, we have severe delays on East Midlands services heading into King's Cross this morning, all following the overhead line problems at Radlett. Also affecting things on First Capital Connect as well, where there is severe disruption between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford as well. Do check before you travel. It's really been causing an awful lot of problems over the last 24 hours. Now, southbound on the M1, we are still looking at delays as well between 11 at Dunstable and 7 at Hemel Hempstead. can take you around half an hour to get through that stretch. Anti-clockwise on the M25, 
25 also heavy between 26 at Waltham Abbey to 25 at the A10 for Enfield, 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley and also very slow between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40. Barnet Bypass also slow between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Everything else not looking too bad out there. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. 7.46, Thursday the 14th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Commuters are being warned to expect delays of up to two hours to trains into London this morning after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. Police in South Africa say the body of a woman has been found at the home of the Paralympic runner Oscar Pistorius. In sport, Mark Selby made an early exit at the Welsh Open snooker with a heavy defeat by Joe Perry, not from Aerosmith, in Newport. Coming up, we'll talk more about the exciting news that from 9am this morning, you'll be able to listen to BBC Three Counties Radio on digital DAB. Don't worry, you can still listen on the computer and on FM as well. Before that, here's Elizabeth Rossini with the weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. It's been rather wet and windy so far this morning. There's still a few bursts of rain to come, I'm afraid, uh, particularly for parts of Hertfordshire. But the good news is, is that rain system will be clearing and from the mid-morning onwards, then it's a much drier picture. Certainly an improvement into this afternoon. Lots of brightness around and uh, indeed some good spells of sunshine. And in fact, if you're standing in the sunshine, you might even think it's very spring-like. Temperatures will be all the way up to 8 or even 9 degrees Celsius. Celsius in Watford in St Albans. Luton, Aylesbury, 8 degrees Celsius here. That's 46 in Fahrenheit. It's going to feel a lot milder than it has been. Watch out for one or two scattered showers this afternoon. They could be on the sharp side, actually, in places. But still, in between, plenty of brightness and good spells of sunshine. A rather chilly night tonight. We'll see clear skies. Temperatures drought down to around 2 or 3 degrees Celsius in the towns. We may even see a touch of ground frost in the rural spots as we start tomorrow morning. But tomorrow, mostly fine dry, reasonably mild too with temperatures up to 8 or 9 degrees Celsius quite widely, 48 in Fahrenheit and the good news is it's also set fair for the weekend, it'll be dry it'll be fine and there'll be some decent sunshine out there as well, just some rather chilly nights and misty mornings but that should seem clear, that's the forecast for now. Thank you very much Elizabeth Did you know you can get in touch with BBC Three Counties Radio wherever you are via Twitter at BBC 3CR. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash BBC 3CR. Call us on 08459 455 555 or text us on 81333 and start your message with 3CR. Getting beds, hearts and bucks talking. BBC Three Counties Radio. Love Mornings. Love Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, big day here at BBC Three Counties Radio. No, no, I'm not buying breakfast for everyone. Don't be ridiculous. From a quarter to nine this morning, you'll be able to hear us on DAB Digital Radio. That's right. We're going all 2003 on you. I know at last. It's a complicated system. That's why. But it's very, very exciting. The station is going to be broadcasting for 24 hours straight through the night to celebrate. JVS will be live from Bedford Hospital from 9am. Tomorrow, I'm going to be in St George's Square in Luton. I've been told it'll be a bit of frost, but it won't be raining, so that's good. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, is at Bletchley Park, ahead of the switch-on. Why, why are you going to Bletchley Park, Sophie? What's happening there? Oh, sorry. 
sorry it's really exciting we've got the bbc bus it's just arrived right in front of me i'm so excited sorry ian wow i've never heard such excitement from from a bus arriving apart from those people who were queuing last night yes our bus huge big bus it's red like my jumper like my like my jacket my new jacket you can't miss us here at bletchley park of course the home of radio and the home of bbc three counties switch on we are going to be available for the first time on local dab to 1.8 million listeners across beds, hearts and bucks. How yeah. exciting is that, Ian? Well, it's, it's, it's a, a very exciting. A potential 1.8 million listeners, shall we say. Very, very exciting. I love a bit of DAB. <laughs> potential. Well, there's a potential 1.8. And that's also over 1.2 kilometres of road through our counties as well. All be able to pick us up. For, um, our favourite presenters, of course. Uh, oh, that's the bus. That's the bus unloading. I don't know if you can hear that. Yes, we can, um, Sophie. What on earth are you doing? Sights and sounds. Sights and sounds. I'm just standing next to the bus that's just opened its doors to get ready for us to broadcast for 24 hours. Uh, obviously, we're, we're here today, this morning, for the switch on. But then you've got Jonathan Vernon-Smith. He's going to be live out in the counties. And you're out in Luton tomorrow as I'm well? I'm in St. George's jo- jo- Square. Jonathan is at Bedford Hospital this morning from nine. And I'm going to be in St. George's Square in Luton. I'm hoping someone brings me a fried egg sandwich. Oh, yeah, there's going to be fried egg sandwiches all over the shop, I'm sure. And also this morning, um, I'm going to be live at 8.46 exactly, where the transmitters will be switched on by the chairman of two great local uh, rivals, Pete Winkleman and um, Luton Town's manager, Dave Pleat, as well. So that's all ahead of the weekend's FA Cup ties, which will be on DAB as well over the weekend. I'm going to have to swat up on my football, I think. Oh, I've totally swatted up on my football. I know it's uh, Luton (laughs) versus Millwall. I'm going on Saturday. It's my first ever football match. I'm going to Luton versus Millwall. You're not? I've never heard anything like it. Really? Yeah, Justin Dealey. That's his name, isn't it? He's taken me. Yeah, we're going on a mandate. Ah! Wow, Monday, excellent. I think I'm not going to come. I think I'm going to uh, avoid the football, but I will listen to DAB and us and uh, everybody else around the football. Okay, Sophie, it just doesn't interest me. Have a <laughs> oh, didn't me neither. Have a nice morning, Sophie. We'll speak to you a bit later on. You will. Yeah, we, we we might do. <laughs> I've got to ask: Has she been drinking this morning, or is, is that acid that finally kicked in? What on earth was going on there? Absolutely bonkers. I love Sophie. She's wonderful. Completely bonkers, but wonderful. Yes, uh, uh, 8.45, 8.46, probably about 8.49, actually, bearing in mind the news and the weather is when the switch on happens or thereabouts. Joe is from Letchworth. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm very, very excited that I'm going to be broadcast in DAB digital quality. See, a world's first, and I can't wait. I really can't, because it means I can listen to the morning rants in perfect digital quality. The, the, the thing that worries me, though, is that I quite often, while I'm doing this show, I have a little sup, sup on my tea, I might chomp on a Mars bar, I might have a little sandwich, I might be picking my nose. You'll be able to hear all of that. Well, you see, that's what you get for being such a professional. It's, uh, let's say, your engineering guys doing all the hard work in the background. I'm sure they'll make it good. But I've got a question for you, Ian. I've got a little job for you. Yes, Gerard, whatever. I'm always happy to help my listener. Okay. Listener, listeners. Yes. Um, I want you to find out how far, how much coverage the DAB will give. Because I drove to Scotland the other day, and I listened to all the local BBC radios on the way up there. Yeah. As you did. And you know you had the one about the chainsaw stories? This is like, yeah, I drove to Gloucester last week and I heard a lot of the fantastic local BBC radio stations that are out there. Well, mm. I would listen to about seven or eight BBC uh, radio stations. Yeah. And do you know what the topic was on most of them? Go on. Scottish Gaelic poetry. 
Wowzers. Wowzers. And they all sounded like Catherine Boyle. All right, took pet and all things like that. We, well, it's funny you should mention that because uh, I believe next Tuesday, BBC Three Counties is, is celebrating Scottish Gaelic poetry with a 24-hour broadcast uh, where we will just be reciting Scottish Gaelic poetry. You should hear oh. Jonathan Vernon Smith's Scottish accent. It's very, very good. <laughs> Fantastic. Paul, we will, I, I will research that. I, I say research that. I will... Uh, <laughs> I'll ask Gareth. He's the technical boss. He'll be able to tell me about that. 08459 455 555. We'll find out how far the DAB stretches. Paul is in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Paul. Good morning. You sound very perky, sir. Why are you so excited? <laughs> I don't know why. No, nor do I. It, what's going on? It's nearly the weekend. You, what, what have you called in about? Right, it's the fat balls. Oh, your fat. Have you got fat balls? Well, I feed the birds, my birds, you know, all through the year. Yeah. I buy fat balls like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. How many fat but, balls have you got? How many fat balls? I, I buy them in two, you know, in containers. Yes. Um, contain about fifty at times. So you've got fifty. And fat I balls. must get through a container every every three four weeks yeah but the last two months i the fact they haven't moved no the birds haven't touched them so the, on, the last two months paul you're saying the birds haven't gone anywhere near your fat balls haven't gone anywhere near them are you I using a different deodorant what's weather eh? what, what do you think's causing it i have no idea i, I mean i wondered and i and I, I have been serious here if the rspb you know is uh, bearing in mind that other ladies have problems um, you know, for people that do care about the birds, I wondered why, uh, you know, if there's any natural reason for this to be happening. When you put your fat balls out... Yes. Do, do, where, do you, where do you put them? Do you put them on a wall? Do you hang your fat balls in a bush? What, what happens? No, I hang them on the trees. In a, in a container on the trees. Yeah, yeah. On the, on the trees outside. And the last couple of months, the birds haven't got anywhere near your no, fat balls? No, no. Isn't that interesting? Because that's what the other... Yes. Well, I suspect an investigation into fat balls is, under <laughs> away, is, <laughs> I mean, is going to be underway. I never know whether you're serious no, or I'm, you're I'm, joking. No, Paul, I'm serious about this. The first call, I'm thinking, oh, fat balls, whatever. But now we've got two calls. Oh, l- l- listen, yes. let's put this out there. 08459 okay. 455 555. Dear listeners, if you have fat balls... Are the birds going anywhere near them? No, this is serious. I want to. I don't know why you're laughing. I don't know why you're laughing, Paul. This is serious. I, 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 I can. He's gone. I, Dealey's back next week. We've got to send Dealey. I want Dealey to to investigate um, fat balls. I really do. I want. I want Dealey. Can we? Can we check? Let's let's get let's give Dealey some fat balls and let's get him out amongst the birds. Let's see what happens. Seriously, though, don't. Seriously, if you have got fat balls, are the birds going near them? Kenny Dunstable, I believe you've got fat balls. Yes, well, if you say so. Uh, yes, we've got, we hang on from the trellis, and uh, for the past three weeks there's been no uh, birds touching them. I'm looking up two now, they've been there for a fortnight and they haven't touched them. I'm also away putting bird seed out. They're not touching that. Nobody. So you got your you got your fat balls out. You have got your seed out, and the birds are not going anywhere near it. Nope. Do, do, do any? Are you buying? Are these fat balls different in any way? Do they smell different? No, that's where we all get them from. Isn't this interesting? I, I genuinely think we've we've stumbled on something here, Ken. I've got some news. I got some seeds from a shop in Luton. Yeah. I've had them for the last twelve months and been going like hotcakes. Well, I bought six packets for. Two months before Christmas. Yeah. I, I'm even looking now. I've got them in the hung up on the fence there. 
They're half full, and I filled that up a week ago, and I haven't even touched them. So, you, 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 your fat balls, you have them hanging up, and you get you look at them every day? I'm, look, I'm watch, looking at them now, and I'm watch up. Good lad, thank you very much. Ken in Dunstable. Well, what started out as a flippant schoolboy innuendo is turning into a proper thing. The birds, in beds, hearts and bucks, have stopped going near fat balls. They couldn't get enough of fat balls a few months ago, and now they've just stopped. 08459 455 555. Why are these birds not touching fat balls anymore? Poor Ken in Dunstable, he's looking at his fat balls every day. Birds aren't going near them. I can do this for a whole hour, don't you worry. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the M1, we're still looking at delays between Junction 10A at the Kidneywood Roundabout and 10 at Luton Airport. Anti-clockwise on the M25, also heavy between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also slow between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And also between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40. Barnet Bypass heading south, also queuing between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. But on the trains is where the real problems still are. Delays of up to an hour on East Midland services heading into St Pancras this morning following the overhead wire problems at Radlett. Uh, also making things very difficult on First Capital Connect as well, where disruption is still ongoing between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford as well. So do check before you travel this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. OK. Enough of this schoolboy humour. There is something serious going on. We are making phone calls to find out why the birds in beds, hearts and bucks are not going near Ken's fat balls. Stop smirking at the back. This is serious. Talking balls. Getting beds, hearts and bucks talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, delays of up to two hours for Thameslink commuters, charities hit back at Luton rent hike and Three Counties Radio goes digital. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thameslink commuters face delays of up to two hours this morning after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. Network Rail have been working on the problem overnight and have restored power to two of the four lines. First Capital Connect spokesman Paul Oxley told Ian Lee it may take until 6 o'clock tomorrow morning for services to return to normal. Here's his advice in the meantime. We are predicting that services will be heavily congested, so if passengers are able to, they can use their tickets on our Great Northern route, and if anyone is a car park season ticket holder, they can park for free at a GN car park. Police in South Africa say a woman's been found dead at the home of the Paralympic champion Oscar Pistorius and that he's been arrested. There are unconfirmed reports that the runner shot his girlfriend after mistaking her for an intruder. The jury at the trial of the Bletchley man accused of killing Rachel Manning in 2000 will continue its deliberations this morning. 41-year-old Shahid al-Ahmed denies murdering the 19-year-old whose body was found on Woburn Golf Course. Scout leaders fear groups will be forced to close across Luton if the Borough Council continues with its plans to increase the amount of rent they pay. The changes, which will affect all the area's charitable and voluntary groups, are set to come into force on the 1st of April. Ignealed scouts face the sharpest rise, their rent set to increase from £150 to £8,000 a year. Simon Carter from the Scout Association says the borough seems to have forgotten how much these groups contribute to the area. There are a couple of hundred adult leaders in the Luton area and if the local authority had to pay for the amount of time that they deliver, they'd be looking down the barrel of half a million pounds worth of cost a year. Mm. And that's all provided for free. We don't expect a free lunch. We don't expect to pay nothing. We understand budgets are tight, but we do expect to have what we contribute recognised and a, a proportionate reasonable cost. 
Listeners to BBC Three Counties Radio will be able to pick up the station on digital radio after a big switch-on event just before the end of the programme this morning. Lawrence Colhane has the details. For the first time, nearly two million people across Beds, Hearts and Bucks will be able to find their local radio station on DAB Radio. The new digital service will be switched on at a quarter to nine this morning by Pete Winkleman, chairman of the MK Dons Football Club, and Luton Town's former manager David Pleat. This weekend's FA Cup ties involving both teams will be broadcast on DAB. Listeners who already have a digital radio may have to retune to receive the new local services. In the Champions League last night, Danny Welbeck scored the crucial away goal as Manchester United drew one all with Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Sir Alex Ferguson praised the performance of his goalkeeper, David Lahea. The weather, heavy rain this morning and isolated showers later with a top temperature of 8 degrees Celsius, that's 46 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Do I have to do your job for you? Well, I tell you why, Catherine. Go on, tell me why. Because we are breaking. We are breaking a story oh, here. Oh, the fat balls thing. Yeah. Wh- why have you not put put fat balls into your report? Well, I think we need a wider. Uh, we need to ca- cast the net wider. We've My had- mum's got fat balls, and the birds lap them up. We are investigating. I know. Please, it's nearly the weekend. I've had a tough week. Come on, let me- indulge me with this. We're investigating fat balls. We'll talk more about it later on. Other things coming up before now and nine o'clock. I wonder if JVS has got fat balls. We'll ask him. First Capital Connect have told this programme that some trains into London this morning are being delayed by more than two hours and there's cancellations as well. They're blaming Network Rail. We'll be catching up with them and finding out exactly what's going on. It's an exciting day for BBC Three Counties. We're going digital. Don't worry, you can still hear us in all the ways you listen now. But... There is a new way to listen to us as well. The big switch on is at Bletchley Park in the next hour. Reporter Sophie Solaria is there to tell us what's going on. Sophie, don't screw this up for us, please. And callers to this programme from Leighton Buzzard, Dunstable and Leegrave have said the birds have gone nowhere near their fat balls in months. Have you noticed something similar? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR, and please include your name, otherwise I won't read it out. And look, nearly all of the phone lines are free right now. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you're travelling on Thameslink trains this morning, you are going to face major problems. Overhead cables came down in Hertfordshire yesterday. Passengers were evacuated and walked down the line near Radlett. Replacement buses are being organised for stations between Luton and London today. First Capital Connect say disruption is expected until six o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has been speaking to commuters at Luton train station. So what are your experiences of the trains this morning? Um, to be honest, it hasn't been great. I mean, my train coming in here was slightly delayed. It wasn't too bad, but nowhere near as bad as it seemed to be last night. Um, it took, I know it took some people over four and a half hours to get home from London last night. And so, do you know somebody that it took four and a half hours? Yeah, a friend of mine, he was coming back from St Pancras, and I think he was due to leave somewhere around, I don't know, half five, six o'clock, something like that. It took him until gone ten o'clock to get home. Are you dismayed or despondent by this service? Or um, it's, it's a little bit shocking, if I'm honest, 
considering the rising ticket prices and everything. But I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when tickets were nearly half the price that they are now. So I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Sarah, I stopped you while you're waiting for a train. Have you heard about the problems? Uh, yes, I did. I heard about them last night. Uh, quite late, actually. Are you concerned about them for your day today? Looks like it's going to be okay. Uh, there's cancellations, but it should be running. But there might be, well, very probably there will be a delay. Where are you trying to get to? I'm going into London this morning so, uh, for work. Um, had to catch a coach home last night, so let's see how it goes. That must have been pretty annoying for you. It was, it was. Uh, it took them about six hours before they actually sent out notifications last night. Uh, that, was, that was the most annoying part. What time did you get home? Uh, got home about 7.30 last night. It wasn't too bad. What time did you leave work? Uh, 5.30. Yeah, that's annoying. Today and probably tomorrow there are still going to be problems. Um, how does that make you feel as a commuter? Uh, you get used to it. I've been commuting pro for 20 years now, so you get used to it over time. It's not the worst I've had by a long shot. It does sound like that gentleman is, is relieving himself, doesn't he? He's not. They were stood under a bridge as it was a, a, a bit rainy. Well, Paul Oxley from First Capital Connect joined me at the beginning of the show. Paul, thank you so much for coming back. I'm sure you've got a, a frantic day ahead of you. I appreciate the time. You mentioned earlier on that commuters uh, could face uh, uh, up to two hours in delays. Is that still the case? Yeah, the delays are up to uh, 30 minutes uh, today. Uh, Network Rail repaired half of the lines that we operate at, so that's two out of four lines that we have access to today. Uh, so we will be running uh, uh, fewer services, as, as I'm sure you heard from uh, your cust- uh, our customers there. Um, so no, delays, no delays of two hours? Those, those are finished now? Those are, yes. Okay, so brilliant. Delays of up to 30 minutes. Uh, just one correction to make. I said earlier that we have got buses in place. Because we're actually calling a train service at all stations, we no longer have the buses in place at this moment in time. Okay. And, and, and do you think, obviously there will be delays, as you say, but do you think you have enough uh, carriages to cope with, with people? Well, as we've only got two out of the four lines, we are confident that we will be running, obviously, a, a reduced service, but we do have the, uh, we will be running uh, trains to all of those destinations. So just remind us, for those who weren't listening earlier, what, what exactly happened? What's the, what's the problem? So as we found out yesterday, about 11 o'clock uh, yesterday morning, about half a mile of overhead cables uh, came down in the Radlett area. Uh, now, the damage is uh, extensive, as Nitrarel have told us. Uh, so they uh, took possession of the line late last night, early hours of the morning, to, and they were able to repair half of the damage, um, and they will be taking possession again at 10 o'clock tonight to, uh, to uh, make the final repairs. So we do hope to run a normal timetable service from tomorrow morning. Uh, obviously, I know this is of no, has been of no comfort to our customers, so I, I, on behalf of First Capital Connect, I really would like to apologise to the disruption they have faced over these last couple of days. Good for you, Paul. And so we're looking at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, things going back to normal. Is, is that definite, or is that kind of a fingers crossed... That's what we're working to. Brilliant. Obviously, uh, things may happen uh, during the repair pr- uh, process, so we would urge all customers to please check our website for the latest updates. Uh, the website address is www.firstcapitalconnect.co.uk. Paul, listen, I appreciate your time. I know it's a, it's a busy day for you. Paul Oxley from First Capital Connect. If you've been affected by this, and there's an amazing picture of, uh, uh, on our Facebook page of people waiting for the bus last night. Well, the buses have stopped now. As, uh, as Paul was just saying there. So if you've been affected by this, either last night or this morning, could you give me a call and let me know? 08459 455 Well, on to perhaps slightly more uh, important issues. We were uh, talking about the whole horse meat scandal and are you bothered by it? Sometimes with these things, I think it's one of those stories that perhaps the media is slightly more interested in than you are. Well, that prompted a whole train of, of conversation that I wasn't expecting. We had a caller saying that um, she puts her fat balls out for the birds 
and the birds hadn't gone anywhere near her fat balls. We then had two further calls, both saying, yeah, I've got fat balls. Birds won't go near my fat balls. A couple of months ago, my fat balls were covered in birds, but now they won't go near it. Well, Richard in Harperton has called in. Richard, have you got fat balls? Yes, indeed I have. They're hanging on the tree. Ouch. And uh, none of the big birds have been touching my fat balls. Usually get blackbirds and others, but they haven't touched them. On the other hand, I've got another one uh, with seed, and all the little birds, they're swallowing my seed. So, the li- so, so, for example, the tits are swallowing your feed? And the robins and sparrows, yep, they're swallowing it all. Excellent. Well, that's, that's good, isn't it? Why do you think there's been this, this, this change, Richard? Maybe the big blackbirds have found some worms elsewhere. Mm, it could be, Richard. Thank you very much for that. We are, we're, in, we are. Listen, no, come on now. We are um, in, trying to get hold of the uh, uh, the RSPB to find out what's going on. Sheila's in Luton. Sheila, have you got fat balls? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I hope not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I heard your remark just now yes. when he said he'd got fat balls. You went, oh. Yes. Well, this yeah. is obviously to help the birds we're well, talking about. I had... Um, I don't know what you're thinking. I, I had fat balls for years and years and years, and about two years ago, they stopped eating them. Nearly two years ago. And I, I did get some more, little bits at a time, because I used to buy them in a big tub. And um, I, I suddenly stopped buying them because they, they were just going black and rotten and green. And uh, I've got, I put seeds out and mealworms and all the other little bits and bobs they have. And they all go mad. Sheila, what we're hearing, I I didn't realise that that so many people have fat balls in beds, hearts and bucks. Do you think maybe that the the birds are spoilt for choice? There are too many fat balls for them. Well, it might be that there's too many seeds for them. Right. Maybe they're eating all the seeds and uh, they're, they're just can't be bothered to chew on the, the fat balls i don't know do you have to chew on fat balls well they have to pick the pieces off the balls don't yeah, they it's, s- it's like it's like lard with seeds in okay well thank you very much but barbara you're nearly grave you, you've got the, the same problem yes the, the, the birds won't go near your fat balls no um they they normally sit on the fence and then um peck at the fat balls and they're not doing that. They sit on the fence and just look at it. But I'm wondering if it's because the fat, etc., has got frozen. Ah. And I can, I can only ima- um, assume that. I mean, because so many people have phoned in about it. Barbara, stay, Barbara, stay there, because Mike is in... Mike, you're in Bedford. Yes, please. Do, do you have fat balls, Mike? Yeah, I do, but the commercially brought ones, your lady is right. They go rock hard. At this uh, time of year with the temperature. Uh, Your lady's right. If you make them out of lard yourself and make them up yourself, yes. if you've got children, grandchildren and people like that, they can make them up themselves and lard won't go as hard as the commercially, no, commercially manufactured I, ones. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. Yep. So I'm it. wondering now, because the weather's, the snow's all gone, so it's not so cold, obviously. N- when you get to a plus temperature, or we're going up to eight, or so today, yes. then you'll find the birds going back onto them. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I phoned up about. OK. All right. All right, then. Thank you. Bye. Bye. They did the show themselves. I don't. I literally don't need to be here. Barbara and Mike, thank you very much indeed. 
I don't need to be here. Mike took over hosting the show. And let's be honest, he did a darn good job. So, we think the cold weather is freezing the fat balls, making them hard, which means the birds aren't interested in them. So, it may be nothing more sinister than that. 08459 455 555. If you're an expert in this, could you give us a call and, uh, uh, and let us know? I haven't fed the birds in years. Because someone said to me, you don't need to do it. You don't need to do it. They'll, they'll find food, and by putting bird seed out, um, you're just going to get rats and squirrels and foxes. And I don't really want those in my garden, so I don't, I don't bother feeding the birds. We don't have a bird table. We have a bird house. My wife made me a bird house. It was wonderful. She made it. Uh, I think it was a birthday present. She made it herself, and it's wa- beautiful, okay? She, she got the wood. She cut the wood. She nailed it all together, and she made this bird house. And it is a work of art. But no birds would go and live in it. No birds would go and live in this birdhouse. We had it out for two years, and we'd see birds going in, but th- th- that was it. They, 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 no birds would live in it. So I, after two years, I went and had a little look. And inside the birdhouse, where her carpentry skills aren't that good, there were about 60 nails sticking up. She just nailed, but like literally, 50 or 60 nails, all sticking up. It's like, a, it's like sitting on razors in there. No wonder no poor birds want to live in there. 8.15, Travel News, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking fairly busy at the moment in the usual trouble areas. Southbound on the M1, still fairly slow around Junction 10 at Luton Airport. Anti-clockwise on the M25, heavy as well down the western stretch between Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey to 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also fairly slow as well around 21 at the M1 all the way through to 16 at the M40. Barnet Bypass also queuing southbound in Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And the Great Cambridge Road on the A10 also slow as well, heading south just around Southby Road. Now westbound on Fairland way through Stevenage, that's the A1155 one lane closed and fairly slow traffic at the moment following a broken down vehicle just around Lytton Way at the Tesco roundabout, still having an awful lot of problems on the trains, delays of over an hour on East Midland services into St Pancras this morning, still following the overhead line problems at Radlett, also causing problems as well on First Capital Connect where there is disruption between West Hampstead Thameslink and Bedford as well, so do check before you travel this morning, there's more in 15 minutes. Thank you very much Sophie. 8.16, it's Thursday the 14th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thameslink commuters face a reduced service and delays of up to 30 minutes after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. Police in South Africa say a woman has been found dead at the home of the Paralympic champion Oscar Pistorius and that he's been arrested. In sport, the England and Yorkshire bowler Tim Bresnan has had an uncomplicated operation on his right elbow and will now start a six- to eight-week rehabilitation before returning to competitive cricket in the summer. Your weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Heavy rain this morning, isolated showers later, with a top temperature of eight degrees. BBC Three Counties Radio. On Valentine's Day, BBC Three Counties Radio is broadcasting live for 24 hours. We'll be broadcasting live from your town, your city, your village. I'm here in King's 
Langley. I'm here in Leighton Buzzard. Live in the centre of Aylesbury. We're putting together a very special 24 hours in the life of beds, hearts and bucks. We'll be all over the three counties covering the stories that matter to you. Welling Garden City has a new look library. 66 stores will be closing, including those in Luton, Watford and St Albans. Officials in Bedford say they're extremely pleased. 24 hours in beds, hearts and bucks starts Valentine's Day morning at 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Love beds, hearts and bucks. Love Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. You love me, don't you, Jonathan Vernon-Smith? Love Ian Lee. I was going to say, that's wishful thinking, isn't it? Well, you you respect me? Like me? It depends on the day. (laughs) Oh, Jonathan, you're not in the studio with me. At last, that restraining order has been put in place. Where are you, sir? Well, I, I'd love to say I'm in salubrious surroundings, but actually I'm, I'm standing outside in a car park, sheltering underneath the roof of the BBC Three Counties Radio luxury car from the rain. Oh. I'm at Bedford Hospital. Ah, they won't let you in? No, <laughs> not yet they won't, no. Um, but uh, yes, at nine o'clock, of course, we go, we go digital, don't we? So you'll hear me in crystal clear quality. Am I crystal clear now? No, you're, 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 you're very faint, and that's, that's the way I like you. People, I, I, I'm worried when we go digital, because people will be able to hear me slurping on my tea, uh, having a nibble on my Mars bar. They'll be able to hear you scratching yourself. It, it might put some people off, Jonathan. That, that's true, but the cream I've applied seems to have worked wonders, Ian. <laughs> uh, can I ask you a question? Here we go. Go on. Have you got fat balls? <laughs> I was just waiting with it. Well, have you? I've been listening to you like a five-year-old all the way up in the car. Have you got fat balls, Ken? Well, I don't... What? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I don't know why that's funny. I'm just asking a question. Have no, you got I haven't. F- and so, so the birds don't go for your fat balls? No, I haven't, but my 98-year-old grandmother's got a good couple of danglers out of her kitchen window. Oh, what a shame. What a shame. Your signal's breaking up, Jonathan. We may have to let you go. Oh, oh there he's gone. He has gone. Try, let's try again, Jonathan. Let's stop whatever you're doing. Stop it. And I'm glad to hear about your grandma's danglers. Now, what's coming up on your show at nine o'clock? Well, coming up at nine o'clock this morning, I'm going to be asking, do you feel safe in the hands of the NHS? As I said, I'm coming live from Bedford Hospital today. It's watching, like many others, the fallout from the Francis report, which was published last week, into deaths at Salford Hospital. The report found that between 400 and 1,200 more people than expected died there over a four-year period. Stories of neglect and abuse at the hospital have been filling the papers. Well, as a result of that report, death rates at 14 other NHS trusts, including one in Buckinghamshire, are now being looked at. High death rates are seen as a smoke alarm of possible problems at a trust, not proof something is going wrong. So this morning at nine, I want to hear your views on this. Do you feel safe in the hands of the NHS? If you have a view, if you have a recent experience, I'd love to hear from you. Pick up the phone, 08459 455 555. We'll discuss it on the big phone-in, live from Bedford Hospital, in crystal clear DAB quality at nine. It's, it, this is interesting, isn't it? I've been, I've been following this story, and uh, uh, my, my dad has been very ill recently, and uh, has been being dealt with, with the NHS, and I can only sing their praises. From, from the contact we've had, they have been amazing over the past few months. Uh, but these figures are very alarming and it is going to make you wonder if you've got a relative going into hospital it's going to make you you um slightly anxious i would have thought isn't it 
It's going to make you very anxious indeed. Well, I'm going to be uh, meeting some of the people who are turning up at the hospital today. We'll see if they feel in safe hands. And uh, hopefully people listening at home will, uh, will be calling with their views and their recent experiences as well. Jonathan, excellent stuff. Look forward to listening to you later on. Call Yeah. <laughs> 
that's going to be another year until they can hear us on DAB. It'll it'll be another year before the whole area is complete. Now, obviously, a lot of people who are in the south can get local signal from other areas, dare I say it, from, from London stations. But you're right, for three counties to get 100% of the three counties area, it's probably going to take another 12 months. But 70% from today, so that's great news. I think it's only 49% of our counties that actually own a DAB radio. Will people be able to get us in other forms as well? Yeah, I mean, as you say, about 50% of the of the three counties already have a DAB radio, um, but obviously you'll also be able to get three counties and the other local services online. You can you use the radio player or the BBC iPlayer for radio. Great, great apps. Uh, you can also get them on digital television as well, a lot of these, these local services. But DAB is the way that most people will listen. And if you do have your radio, what do people need to do to get us on their digital now? It's a great question. It's a really important point. To make sure you, you can get BBC Three Counties on your DAB radio, you do need to to hit the retune button and so that it actually scrolls and finds the signal and, and gets BBC Three Counties. Some radios do it automatically, but not all of them. That's a really important point to remember though, Ian. Everyone has to retune. They can't just expect us to be on DAB. And I will be back with you from quarter to nine this morning where Pete Winkleman, chairman of the MK Dons Football Club and Luton Town's former manager, David Pleat, will be pressing that button and making us go live on DAB Digital Radio. Sophie Solaria, excellent stuff. We look forward to that. Have your fingers poised, <clears throat> dear listeners, on your DAB radio. And we shall uh, be going digital a little bit later on. Fat balls. Yeah, it's the big topic of conversation this morning. Have you got fat balls and are the birds going for them? We've got uh, Janet in Ashridge. Morning, Janet. Oh, uh, no, Janet, you're there. Sorry. Hello, Janet. Sorry. Hello. Hello. And also we've got Andrea in Aylesbury. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. Andrea, have you got fat balls? Definitely. And and are the birds tucking into them? Um, well, the ones that are shop bought, yes. But I, this year I've decided I'd make some of my own and they won't eat those. Really? Yes. They're turning their nose up at your fat balls. Definitely. And they and um, they were made from beef lard, as recommended or whatever the recipe said. Yes. And they've been out there for at least a month. And unless I stick some peanuts in the top of them, what? they won't go near them. So you're sticking nuts in your balls? Definitely. Janet, why do you think? Janet, why do you think these birds are not going for Andrea's nuts in her balls? Well, they're. The ones that you can buy in the last two years, there are different varieties of fat balls. So you will only be attracting the birds that like the contents of those balls. For instance, the ones that are full of corn, mine don't get eaten at all. The ones that are full of seed, six went yesterday in one day. Wow. Wow. There are now also ones with dried fruit in, which if you have animals, you need to be careful about, because if they drop on the ground and your dog eats dried fruit, that is quite dangerous to the dog. Is dry, what, why is dried fruit dangerous to a dog? Uh, I think it, um, if, in quantity, doesn't it, won't it blow up in their stomach? Isn't that what oh, is dangerous? I don't and know. And so it stops up their gut. Oh, dear. Andrea, maybe the birds just don't like your fat balls and your nuts. Mm. Maybe your cooking's not up to scratch. Well, I w- was feeling quite dejected about the whole thing, because, yes, I have got a variety of, <clears throat> of the fat ball type things out in the garden, and even the squirrels will come along and eat some of them. So I've got their blue tits and long-tailed tits and all of that out in the garden the robins and they all come along and eat all everything else but they do not like the ones that i've made myself do you i don't know if you have children or family or, or friends over for, for dinner or lunch do, do, do your friends turn their nose up at your cooking oh no i've won prizes for my cooking in the past oh really i have yes what prizes have you won um i won i once won a timeshare 
For your cooking? Yes. Whereabouts? Um, it was a competition in Harrods and stuff like that. Oh, look at you. You got to... Well, I'm talking a long time ago. Uh, do, you st- <laughs> do you still use this timeshare? Um, oh, no. No, oh. I got rid of it because it was very it was very expensive to run. They are. Uh, well, Janet and, and uh, Andrea, thank you very much. So more on this... Fa- that, that, that certain b- uh, birds will only go onto certain fat balls. And even when Andrea puts, her, puts nuts in her balls, it, it doesn't always help. This really is a mystery, isn't it? I'm going to do another 30 minutes of this easily. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking fairly busy out there at the moment, heading south on the A1 through Sandy. We're getting reports that it's partially blocked with queuing traffic following an accident at the Sandy Roundabout at the A603. And Fairlands Way heading west through Stevenage, that's the A1155. One lane closed and slow traffic as well following a broken down vehicle just around the Tesco's roundabout at Lytton Way. Northbound on the M1, more delays between 9 at Redbourne and 10 at Luton Airport. Uh, fairly slow southbound actually in the same area. M25 busy where you'd expect as well. And also on East Midlands train don't forget we have major delays this morning heading in towards London following the overhead line problems at Radlett. Disruption also because of this on First Capital Connect between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford. So do check before you travel this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, thanks very much. 8.30, time for the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Thameslink commuters face a reduced service and delays of up to 30 minutes this morning after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. Police in South Africa say a woman's been found dead at the home of the Paralympic champion Oscar Pistorius and that he's been arrested. And the jury at the trial of the Bletchley man accused of killing Rachel Manning in 2000 will continue its deliberations this morning. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson praised the performance of his goalkeeper David De Gea as United drew one all with Real Madrid in the first leg of the Champions League last 16 tie. Danny Welbeck scored a crucial away goal for United before Cristiano Ronaldo's equaliser. Ferguson says he was happy with the result, but the Real manager Jose, Jose Mourinho is confident his side can win at Old Trafford in a fortnight. I think they did well their job. They came here to defend well. They came here to don't concede spaces and, and goals. They didn't play to win, but they know that they have in attack very important players with, with great potential that out of nothing they can create chances and score goals. I think they go, they go home happy with the result, but I think they know, they know that Real Madrid can do it there. The other Champions League tie also ended in a draw as Shakhtar Donetsk and Dortmund drew 2-2 in Ukraine. This evening, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle and Everton are all in action in the Europa League round of 32. Liverpool are away at Zenit St. Petersburg, Tottenham host Lyon, Chelsea at Sparta Prague and Newcastle play Metalist Kharkiv at St. James's Park. The England wicketkeeper Matt Pryor says players will become increasingly frustrated unless the England and Wales cricket board softens its stance towards the Indian Premier League. The ECB only allows England players to play half of the IPL season because of a clash with May test matches. As a result, they are less attractive to IPL franchises, with Pryor going unsold in the last two player auctions. Pryor says the scheduling of tests may have to change to keep players happy. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Coming up in the next half an hour, South African Paralympic athlete Oscar Pistorius has been arrested over the fatal shooting of his girlfriend at his home. We'll tell you more about what's happened next. And BBC Three Counties Radio will be going digital in less than 20 minutes' time. Very exciting indeed. Now, as you've heard in the news, police in South Africa say a woman has been found dead at the home of the Paralympic champion Oscar Pistorius and that he's been arrested. There are unconfirmed reports that the, room, uh, that the runner shot his girlfriend after mistaking her for an intruder. Well, our reporter, Jane Prendergast, is here. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. What do we know about this? Well, we know that this incident happened at Oscar Pistorius's house in the early hours, four or five o'clock in the morning, in the suburbs of Pretoria. He lives in a gated house. Uh, this is all... And the police have said a 30-year-old woman who died at the scene was shot in the head and the arm. Now, she hasn't been named, but uh, local reports suggest that she was Oscar Pistorius's girlfriend. Uh, and also, there are suggestions that he may have mistaken her for a burglar. A 9 millimeter pistol has been recovered from the scene, and uh, Oscar Pistorius is now in police custody. The police have also said that there is expected to be a court appearance later today. This has led uh, to lots of people this morning talking about crime and the fear of crime in South Africa. Well, that's right. There are lots of commentators uh, speaking today about South Africa having um, among the highest rates of crime in the world. And people there this morning saying many residents, many people do keep weapons routinely in their homes to protect themselves against intruders. And that many live in fear of violent crime and, and feel very insecure, especially during the night. Uh, one commentator I heard this morning uh, put a figure of 14 to 15,000 on the number of people killed every year because of violent crime. So a real issue. And of course, this breaking news has brought up a lot of comment about how um, safety and crime are perceived in South Africa. And of course, Oscar Pistorius is a huge uh, inspiration to many, major sporting hero in South Africa and around the world. Yes, um, a massive sporting icon in South Africa, always being written about in the media, his every move followed. So he's very high profile there. Of course, we know him as the Blade Runner. And of course, last summer, he became the first double amputee to running the Olympics at London 2012. So a lot of people have followed his story. We know, of course, he wears carbon fibre prosthetic blades uh, because he was born without a fibula in both legs. There have been documentaries made about him, about his battle to race against able-bodied runners. So he is certainly an athlete who in his home country is very very much revered but around the world people feel they know him because of his extraordinary story jane prendergast thank you very much indeed and no doubt we'll be following that story as it proceeds across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio DAB launch is coming soon. Maybe sooner than we thought. <laughs> we'll see what's happening. A decision by Luton Borough Council to increase rents for charities and voluntary organisations has been heavily criticised by those affected. Organisations such as scout groups and charity shops will see their rent increase from April the 1st after the council agreed the increases on Tuesday. One scout group in Luton will see its ground rent go up from £150 a year to £8,000. Well, earlier on, we heard from Simon Carter from the Scout Association. Their motivation is to, to, to do exciting, adventurous activities with young people. You know, it, it's, a, it's a leisure time activity for them with a purpose. They really enjoy it. Now, uh, you know, the average budget of a scout group is £5,000, £6,000 a year. So mm. if you were saying to them, actually, stop doing all this wonderful activity, stop having the fun with the kids and go and raise some money, that's not what they joined for. That's not what they want to be part of. So what's going to happen to these scout groups then, Simon? Um, I mean, 
I think for us, it's about negotiating with the local authorities that these changes shouldn't come in. And, and to be fair to um, the, the local authority in Luton, they are talking to us. But the, the challenge is they need to tell us quickly. We're six weeks away from the start of the fin- next financial year, mm. and they haven't actually told us what the costs are going to be. They've given us ifs and buts and maybes. So please tell us give a certainty uh, and that's the real issue and for us they also need to think about what we contribute there are there are a couple of hundred adult leaders in the Luton area and if the local authority had to pay for the amount of time that they deliver they'd be looking down the barrel of half a million pounds worth of cost a year Mm. and that's all provided for free we don't expect a free lunch we don't expect to pay nothing we understand budgets are tight but we do expect to have what we contribute recognized and a, a proportionate reasonable cost Well, Hazel Simmons is the leader of Luton Borough Council and joins me now. Hazel, why have the council decided to generate additional revenue from charities and voluntary organisations? As you uh, are well aware, Ian, uh, the financial restraints the council is working under at the moment and that we're looking at uh, making cuts and increasing income. If we don't increase income, then we have to make more cuts. So it's very important we get a balance between making cuts and increasing income. We um, have gone forward with a a, a plan and... um, myself and the chief exec met with the scout group before Christmas we found a way forward we thought and we're now in the process of putting that into place well is is, is it an increase uh, yesterday that my officers were meeting with the scout group negotiating that plan well is an increase from 150 pounds sorry I appreciate for the group yes it must be a worrying time of course it's worrying Hazel is an increase of of, of rent from 150 pounds to 8,000 pounds a year Is, is that fair What we set our targets at was market rent. That doesn't mean to say that's what the Scouts will finally pay, but we have to set a a target to start us off, and and we're looking for, because we we have all sorts of people living in in our properties and working in our properties, therefore we um, obviously set a a task of market rent, but there is a negotiation going on, and there will probably be negotiations with other charities. But the, the point that has to be made very clearly is, this is about the Council having to increase income due to the the vast budget cuts that are being imposed upon us but we take very much serious the work that the scout group do which is why we've actually included them as a, now as a policy partner within our community funding strategy which means um we uh, not just the scouts but all uniform groups and all youth groups we recognize the work that all these organizations do with our young people and um we will work with them um on, on, um, and the reason we will work with them is because we, they will set priority outcomes with them. Okay, the, the, the they rent will, they will get three-year budget. The rent budget. increase. The rent increase begins in about six weeks on April the first. Yeah. The scout. The, the gentleman we spoke to from the scouts is very worried that, that, that there's six weeks to go. They haven't got a clue what they're going to pay, and, and they're worried that, that, that they don't know so soon. When, when will they know? Well, I, I, as I said, my officers only, were only talking to their the, the scouts yesterday about uh, quite a number of different things, uh, which are obviously are, are confidential at the moment, but they, they were having conv- um, conversations with the scout group about the future, and... Um, we're, we're, we're quickly trying to find a resolution to the issues that have been raised. How long do you think that will take? Sorry? H- how long do you think that will take? Well, it'll obviously, um, as quick as, it ta- as we can, as we're negotiating, uh, as quick as we can negotiate a settlement, we will.
And so, what? what and what are the possible options? What? What? The half of the four thousand pounds, three thousand pounds. What, what kind of things? I'm how not does this sure work? The detail. Yeah. As with all these negotiations, they're in the middle of the process of it. As once, uh, once it's been decided, happy to come back and talk to you about it. Fantastic. I, I, and I know, of course, everyone is, is, is making counts, uh, 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 making cuts. And there are the people who would say, "Well, the scouts, really, it's not that important." Charity shops. Come on, we can we can do with a, a few of them. But is it right for you to pass these these cuts on to these these charities and these voluntary foundation? The, the centres? We're having to pass cuts on and make cuts that none of us want to make at all because of the uh, 85 million we're having to save from our budget by, within the next, uh, over the four years, uh, over a four year period. We don't want to do half of those, but the reality is to set a balanced budget, that's what we have to do as a council. We have to be responsible. And so we're trying to get a balance between the cuts we do and the jobs we lose and the, the income we can raise. Explain this, this community fund. What, what is it and who can apply for it? Uh, it's, uh, there's four tranches to it. It's run by the, the, the local, air, um, local authorities, uh, not the local authority, the airport board of the, ca- of the airport. Uh, it's run on airport funding, lo- local authority airport. And what it is, um, is uh, the first is uh, a policy partner section to the fund, which has people we work with um, as poly- policy partners who do priority outcomes for us. The second is a community fund, which allows um, all the community to apply for. The third is some funding that is a near neighbour fund and will deal with the effects of the airport growth so that uh, we work with our neighbours to try and mitigate against uh, changes to the growth in the airport. And the fourth is an enterprise fund. Now, the community fund and the... um, Near Neighbours Fund and the Enterprise Fund will all be managed by independent... OK, uh, Hazel, we have to end it there, because uh, but I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I believe we are going live now to Sophie Solaria. Sophie, what's happening? We're getting ready to, for the switch we're, on. We're, we're, Sophie, can you hear me? There we go. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me, Sophie? This is as exciting as I was expecting it you. to be. I'm going to pass over to the digital switch on now. OK, she's whispering. Where Ian and Peter are about to press the button. Okay. It's... Hello there, my digital brothers and sisters. What? Love here. I know you can't wait until local radio is Sophie, is there any chance you could get the microphone near what's actually happening? I'm going to do it. Okay, do it. Go, just go right up there. Just go up there because we can't hear anything. Are you ready? Yes. Do that countdown, it, it'll sound better than this. Yeah, I'm ready for the countdown. Okay. We are now officially on DAB Digital Radio. Wow, this is the, what, what's the atmosphere like there, Sophie? I'm leaving. Oh. I'm leaving a very important wow. meeting yes. to try and tell you what just happened. Come out, come out and talk to us. Come on. There we, we, we go. We I'm, get, out, I'm out. I'm out. We didn't get much sense of it there, Sophie. It was a little bit faint for us. So tell us what happened. It got very, very exciting there for a moment, very tense. They did switch a bit earlier than we'd planned, to be fair. So that's why it was a little bit quicker than we thought. But th- what we've just seen there is Pete Winkleman, the chairman of MK Dons, 
and uh, David Pleat pressing that button. The transmitters are now switched on, and it means that we are now broadcasting to 1,200 kilometres of roads through our counties and to a potential of 1.8 million listeners across Beds, Hearts and Bucks on their digital radios. It's very exciting. It is. It is very exciting. It was So it, it was happening in kind of like a boardroom or something, was it? It was. The National Radio Centre is quite small, actually. It's, it's a room where um, we just had a, a number of important people from, of course, across the um, radio stations around our three counties. Us, the managing editors of those places, various other people from the press, all in one small room where there was just purely a button. Wowzers. And this button was the focus of the room. Uh, we all stood around that, which is why I couldn't speak very loudly, because everyone was filming and everyone was oh, listening you to the Sophie, speeches. Sophie, listen, here's my tip. Forget those losers. Listen, we're the ones that count. You speak loud and proud when you're out and about. Sophie Solaria, excellent stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we will uh, be following this throughout the day. You can hear us on DAB now. If you're listening, how does it sound? You can hear I'm slightly bunged up now. You didn't get that on the FM. Now you can. Right, 8.45... Let's get the travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting on the trains, we have delays of up to an hour on East Midlands services heading down towards London, particularly in uh, St Pancras International this morning. It's really causing problems. It's all following the overhead line problems at Radlett. Do check before you travel. Also causing disruption as well on the first cab to connect between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford. Now moving on to the road southbound through Sandy on the M uh, A1, getting reports that it's blocked with queuing traffic following an accident at Sandy Roundabouts. Thanks to Mike for calling that one in for us. Northbound on the M1, also still looking at delays. 10 at Luton Airport and 10A at the Kidneywood Roundabout and southbound delays around 20 minutes as well between 11 at Dunstable and 9 at Redbourne. M25 looking fairly busy where you'd expect down the western stretch anti-clockwise usual delays around at Junction 18. Everything else not actually looking too bad this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Sophie and don't forget to celebrate the magic of the DAB switch on JVS is out and about today and I'm going to be in St George's Square in Luton tomorrow. Right, it's 8.46, it's Thursday the 14th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thameslink commuters face a reduced service and delays of up to 30 minutes after a kilometre of overhead cable came down in Radlett yesterday. Police in South Africa say a woman has been found dead at the home of the Paralympic champion Oscar Pistorius and that he's been arrested. In sport, the Real Madrid manager, Jose Mourinho, says the tie is still 50-50 after the one-all draw with Manchester United in the Champions League last night. And coming up, this morning we've been hearing your concerns about why birds have not been tucking into your fat balls. Well, before 9am, we'll be speaking to our local RSPB in Sandy to try and find out why. Here's the weather, though, with Elizabeth. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hi, oh, very good morning to you. Wet and windy still for many areas, although that rain has now cleared western areas of Buckinghamshire. Still a bit more to come across the other two counties, though. Um, but gradually drying out quite nice, actually. Watch out for a few uh, few giant puddles on the road, some surface water out there, and indeed some flood alerts out from the Environment Agency still. Um, so a bit more rain to come, but then that will be it for the rest of the day, apart from perhaps a few showers dotted around here and there but it
it will be quite spring-like, I think, for the rest of the morning and into the afternoon with the skies brightening, some good spells of sunshine and temperatures all the way out to 8 or 9 degrees across many of our towns. That's 48 in Fahrenheit. Just watch out for a few odd showers here and there. They could be quite sharp in places, but certainly not lasting too long, just blowing along nicely in that breeze. And then into this evening and overnight, quite chilly once more. Lots of clear skies, staying dry. Temperatures down to 2 or 3 degrees. We could just see a touch of frost in the rural spots into tomorrow morning but tomorrow again fine and dry and the good news or nay the great news for the weekend is that it's also set fair as one it'll be reasonably mild with temperatures up to eight or nine degrees again that's the forecast thank you very much elizabeth love mornings love ian lee bbc three counties radio Fat balls, fat balls. No, it's not the nickname I used to be called at school. We're discussing it because we've had so many callers this morning telling us that the birds won't even sniff their fat balls, let alone tuck into them. We've got some texts here, 81333, starting the text 3CR and including their names. Well done, you. Pete from Milton Keynes. The reason fat balls are being left is because berries on trees have ripened. An army of red wings just spent four days stripping our tree. I don't know what that sentence means, but it sounds exciting. Uh, Gina in Bedford. The squirrels and birds are tucking into my fat balls. The garden is a regular feeding station. And Helen in Milton Keynes says, Our birds in Milton Keynes never like fat balls. They love mealworms, fruit and seeds, but only of the very best quality. Paul's in Biggleswade. Good morning, Paul. Uh, hello, Ian. How are you doing? All I'm right. fine, thank you. Have you got fat balls? Yeah, I have got fat balls. Uh, and it is true to say that the birds have been very reluctant to take them. We put several out. Uh, I mean, usually, uh, two or three fat balls in our feeder will only last a few days. Usually, um, starlings and that will flock down, and they usually uh, wreck the thing well, very, very quickly. But uh, a few weeks ago, we put fat balls out and commented then that None of the birds seem to be um, eating them. Um, this morning I've hung out uh, three fresh fat balls and uh, haven't seen a single bird on them. Paul, could, could, could you do us a favour? Do, yes. do you have the, the technology to take a photo of your fat balls and send it to us? I certainly do. I can, I can certainly do that. What would be great is if you could take a picture now with, of your, your freshly displayed fat balls, yes. send it to us, yes. and then maybe if we come back to you on, on Monday and we get a little update and, and, and yeah, a picture of if your fat balls have been touched. I can, I can certainly photograph them now. I would be able to email it to them to a little bit later on today. Will that be okay? That is absolutely fine, Paul. You get it to us as soon as you can okay. uh, and we'll put it up on the Facebook yeah, page. I'll photograph them immediately. Brilliant. And then I'll email them across to you and uh, we, we, I'll give you an, a regular update on uh, on my uh, how maybe, my balls are uh, progressing. Well, maybe we could we could follow the progress of your your balls th- throughout the whole of next week. Maybe that's so that could be a little a little feature with Paul's balls. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 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 oh, I yeah. made myself chuckle. <laughs> so next week we'll be. <laughs> Next week it'll be Paul's Balls. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Thank you very much. Oh dear, I've got to press this. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh dear. I know, oh, I know. It's very rare I make myself laugh. Uh, And if that's what it takes, 
indulge me, please. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. We are the first for news. It's funny. We do, we do, we, believe it or not, we do quite a lot of preparation for this show. And we, we kind of come up with things that we think you'll want to talk about and stories that you'll want to get involved with and will affect you in the three counties. And we put these out. And we're so lucky that you call in and you text in and you use the Facebook a lot. And then someone phones in to say that the birds aren't going near our fat balls. We've had more calls today about balls than about any, than probably than we've had all, all week. Possibly even all month. We, the, it, it, poor Ollie, work experience Ollie, has been working like a lunatic in there answering your phone calls. Well, why are the birds avoiding fat balls? Graham Madge is at the RSPB headquarters in Sandy. Graham, do, do you have fat balls? Uh, I don't at the moment, no. I did have some in the winter, but they were taken in. Um, so um, I do put food out for my birds in the garden. Um, but at this time of year, the um, situation is that birds will disperse more widely. So when we've had the very cold weather, um, particularly when we had the snow and ice, birds weren't able to feed necessarily out in the woodlands and out in the hedgerows, and they were piling into gardens. And I think what we're seeing is the effect of the you know relatively mild weather that we've got at the moment. Birds are able to disperse out into the wider countryside. Um, many of your listeners will have heard heard birds singing mm. and birds like great tits for example are beginning to, to establish territories and they disperse themselves and therefore we get an effect that it looks as though fewer birds are coming into our gardens isn't that interesting okay so so because we have had all of the callers have been slightly alarmed that, that they're, they're doing this and the birds aren't touching uh, uh, their, their balls it's nothing to be worried about it's it's just a natural thing it is a natural thing i mean obviously um birds can be a little bit fickle sometimes so obviously oh, when they no. need our help um we put food out for them and they they take it and and gratefully receive it but then at other times when we're putting out food they seem to be a bit more fussy and almost aloof and will go out and find food for themselves so um it's vital that when the weather is hard and when we get snow and ice and frost that people put food and water out because water is very important too but then at other times we have to respect the fact that you know these birds have survived in the countryside for thousands of years um and you know quite like the opportunity to find their own food which of course is good for them as well well exactly i was told a while ago to stop putting food out for the birds at all because we're kind of um domesticating them is the wrong word but they're losing a lot of their wild skills because we're putting food out on on trays and things in the back garden is that right well i mean there are there are some people that are concerned about that but um i mean certainly garden bird populations do seem to be doing quite well so i'm sure the the blue tits great tits and, and other birds that people are perhaps worried about because they're not seeing them on their feeders um the birds are doing fine just one note that i ought to mention actually with regards to some of the fat ball products and some of the mesh bags mm. um we have been issuing appeals to people not to put food out in in, in mesh bags oh. um, particularly the, the there was a craze perhaps 20 30 years ago some of your listeners i'm sure will remember um of you could buy peanuts from the supermarket in red mesh bags yes i remember um, those, yes. and they were very attractive to some birds particularly some finches called siskins they seem to be overly attracted to those but we we found subsequently that some birds were getting caught up and even oh. dying as a result because they were getting entangled in the mesh um so that is oh. something that you know we are advising people not to put out food in mesh bags if there is a problem with the birds getting entangled. Graham, if I want... That can be a problem. Of course, that's a, and that's a terrible thing. If I want to get some interesting and attractive birds in my back garden, what kind of things should I be putting out? Um, well, uh, the sorts of things... I mean, you know, let's be clear about this. Anybody can put food out in their gardens yep. and we can start to attract wildlife.
life to our gardens. But the more it's like anything, the more creative that you can become with putting food out, the more variety that you put out, you'll be rewarded with more birds of different types coming in. So what we're urging people is to um, consider putting out, along with the sort of regular sunflower seeds and, and things like that, put out things like cheese, for example, which can be very good for birds like robins and wrens that won't necessarily... Cheese? Yeah. Well, uh, a bit, a bit of cheddar? Great, it's anything um harder cheeses obviously but um uh, i'll be honest very rich in protein graham i I like birds i I prefer cheese they're not getting anywhere near my cheese (laughs) graham say that we've got a call from shirley shirley's in milton Keynes. shirley you've got a question haven't you well yes i mean the birds haven't so much been going on the fat balls in my garden but um the sunflower hearts they go absolutely mad for and I've had, um, I've had, I get lots and lots of goldfinches and chaffinches. I've had greenfinch. Um, uh, I've only had one. I get the robins and the blackbirds hopping round the grass. So they prefer they prefer the sunflower seeds they than the, the balls. Why is that, Graham? Well, sunflower seeds are very rich in um, fats and proteins, um, and birds will select those because the more they consume, they're getting more goodness, if you like, um, per per unit of food. So they select the very richest foods because it's going to do them the most the most good, give them the most energy and and the things that they need. Shirley, listen, thank you for that, Graham. Just very very quickly, my um, in laws uh, um, live in Windsor. And about 30 years ago, three or four um, green um, parakeets somehow escaped either from Windsor Safari Park or someone's house. The other day I was at their house, there were over 30 green parakeets. It was amazing. In their back garden, it looked incredible. Is that, does that kind of thing happen quite regularly? Well, there are, of course, in um, parts of, of West London and down into Surrey and, and parts of Berkshire. Uh, there is a parakeet called the ring-necked parakeet. It's been with us since about the late 60s, certainly in any number. And um, they're, they're doing incredibly well. They're able to survive our winters. They, uh, like other birds, will come to bird tables. And they're a species that's doing very well. So I think there's about 30,000 wow. of them now established in the wild. And they're OK and with they the cold? Stay. They seem to be. I mean, it, uh, these birds are from India. And uh, where they occur in India, they can get right up into the foothills of the Himalayas. Wow. So um, they, are, they do seem to be quite used to our cold winters. Graham, I, I really appreciate you coming on at short notice. Graham Madge at the RSPB headquarters in Sadi. It's true. About 30, 35 of these green uh, parakeets... In, in the back garden. It looked amazing. They were all swooping down, getting some feed, then swooping off. Of course, my little boy loved it. He's when they're parrots in Yaya's back garden. Wonderful stuff. Well, there we go. We will be following this up. On, we're we're going to look at Paul's balls on Monday, I think, and, and just see how they've fared over the weekend. Tomorrow's show. Oh, it, it's exciting. I'll tell you more in a second. Let's get the travel news from Sophie, and then I'll, I'll tell you where we're going to be tomorrow. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the A1 through Sandy, we still have reports of queuing traffic and it's partially blocked following an accident just at the A603 at the Sandy Roundabout. Real problems this morning, though, still unfortunately with the trains. Delays of over an hour on East Midlands services heading to London this morning, particularly St Pancras. It's all looking very, very slow due to the overhead line problems at Radlett. Uh, so there's also disruption on First Capital Connect as well between West Hampstead, Thameslink and Bedford as well. So this is uh, really causing 
a lot of problems do check before you travel it will be uh, making things very tricky out there everything else not actually looking too bad at the moment seems to be coping fairly well on the roads m25 has just a few usual delays adding it anti-clockwise sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you sophie Tomorrow, I'm coming from St George's Square in Luton. Do come down, say hello, don't touch me. Oh, look, and Fifi Powell Brown is listening on DAB. Good work. JVS is up next. Ta ta. Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday. And on today.